Jesus said, Behold, I come quickly. 2,000 years ago, his words came to pass. AD 70, Jerusalem surrounded by armies. The temple destroyed. Sacrifices ceased. The end of the age. So where are we at on the prophetic timeline of history? Jesus said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And that we have been made kings and priests to reign here on earth. The, the Revelation, Revelation Red, Red Pill, Pill. The, the kingdom, kingdom of God, God is now. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forever. Amen. Hey guys, welcome back to Revelation Red Pill. It's Wednesday. It's the Wednesday before Christmas. Have we got a show for you? I am so excited about this. You know, the I don't know if you guys have seen the Bethlehem Star documentary. Whether you have seen it or not, tonight is going to be very, very eye-opening. You know, the Revelation Red Pill uh, that we've been doing, we're now in week 40. Week wow, 40. Wow. You guys have been here for 40 weeks. Awesome. Give yourself a pat on the back and a giant round of applause. This is really, really huge. So I'm hoping that as we are, this it's it's very fitting that the 40th episode, I think, is the week of Christmas, mm -hmm. kind of culminating some things, bringing it back around. But the, the running theme of Revelation Red Pill is essentially what happened when Messiah came. And so this story, I think, is really, really important. Mm -hmm. Everything changed when the Messiah that was prophesied through the entire Old Testament, all the way um, up until, you know, the, who was it in the, um, the woman, was her name? It wasn't Hannah. Was there two Anna? Hannahs? Anna? Anna. The woman, Anna, who um, had been waiting for the Messiah. Mm -hmm. They had been waiting for Messiah because they knew that when he came, everything was going to change. And I've been listening to the Gospel of Matthew all week in my audio Bible over and over and over again. And I get keep getting stuck on the gospel of the kingdom. He came to preach the gospel of the kingdom. And so when we think about Jesus coming and we think about the Christmas season and baby Jesus, and we think he came to bring salvation to the world. Yes, but he came to bring the kingdom. So in essence, one could say that the spirit of Christmas is the spirit of the kingdom of God. Mm, that's great. So uh, mom wanted me to play this song, the original song recorded, but uh, we might get a copyright on Facebook. So we're going to play that at the end of the show. But we wanted to start this, uh, this, this uh, show with this, the Christmas version of the Hallelujah song. Yeah. Thank you. 
finding child, they searched the inn to find a place where you were coming soon, yeah. There was no room for them to stay, so in a manger filled with hay, God's only son was born, oh hallelujah, hallelujah. Have your page flipped. I'm so sorry. I didn't catch the cue. <laughs> it was just as the angels say. You'll find him in a manger bed. Emmanuel, the Savior. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
All right. Hallelujah. I'll take that. Thanks. You're welcome. All right. So we did an interview with Bob Sisson, a.k.a. Bob the Plumber from Brideon TV. Uh, we did it on Monday. It's going to hopefully air tomorrow. Um, and he is coming out with an app, a star app. It's called the Holy Stars app. And it's going to take us through God's story, his symphony in the sky. And it was supposed to be out this week. It's not out yet. Um, it might be out, I guess, on the 22nd. So I want you guys to look for that. It's called holystarsapp.com. Stars with an S. And after we did this interview... I got to thinking about our show for Wednesday and a Revelation Red Pill, which is the most important part of the Revelation Red Pill is finding Jesus in the Bible. Because Revelation is literally, the revelation of Jesus Christ is the revealing of Jesus Christ. And that's what we want to get to is who is Jesus? Who is the Messiah? What did he come to do? What did he come to set up? Who are we battling? What's going on? In this world, are we battling our flesh? Are we battling our mind? Are we battling angels or, or, or demons? What is happening in the celestial world that we live in? Well, God actually put a map. A map for us to follow. And it was in the sky. So that all creation would tell the story. God's story. And I don't know how many of you have seen the Bethlehem Star documentary. You know, there's been a few good takes i will say this on what heavenly constellation conjunction planet supernova was the star the star of bethlehem and i truly believe that this time that we have during christmas time is so essential to where we're at right now today we need to be celebrating the birth of Jesus. We need a whole month to be focusing on Jesus. And I know some of you will say, well, we need to be focusing on him all year round. And you're really, really right about that. But what if there was a holiday where we could get everybody else who doesn't normally worship Jesus to think about him just a little bit, to say his name, to say his name. You know, it was very interesting because Israel put out an ad, basically, um, with Santa Claus and a young Jewish girl writing to Santa, asking for help. And they played Silent Night. What are the nurse words to Silent Night? Silent Night, Holy Night, Home's call, all is bright round yon virgin, mother and child, holy infant, so tender and mild, sleep in heavenly peace. Sleep in heavenly peace. Silent night, holy night. 
all is calm, all is bright. But you know what says something is so special and so interesting about the Bethlehem star? Is that it wasn't just in the sky for one night. It was in the sky for a long time. It said that the wise men, and we don't know if there were three. There could have been more. We don't know if they were kings. We're not sure. We do know that they came from probably Babylon, probably from those who were trained by Daniel to look for this star. And you know what's interesting is we don't know exactly what it was that told them to go and look for this baby in Bethlehem for the Messiah. Like we're missing that script. But we know the result of the script and we know that they knew it was so important. And we know that the New Testament was written and they all based the, the obviously there was a script written down that we're missing that's that that led them to Israel that led them to Bethlehem and they knew it and even Herod didn't even know what he was looking for King Herod at the time like what are you guys talking about what's in the sky right now okay there was a conjunction happening where you would see planets aligning with stars but if you didn't know the constellations and you didn't know their significance, it wouldn't mean anything to you. What's in the sky? And you and I, because of technology, because of lights, because of the way we do nighttime, we don't know God's story. Right. Because we don't go out and we, and we don't see it. And I've got a couple clips for you to kind of talk about this. But did you know that so many ancient civilizations have the same 12 signs of the zodiac? Now, I am not a zodiac person. Now, there's a difference between astronomy and astrology. You want to tell them the difference? Well, one believes that God ordains times and seasons in the sky. And the other believes that the sky depicts your life well and and astronomy is a secular thing yes too it's as well of the stars astronomy you're right i'm sorry forgive me that's that that's my view you're right astronomy is just the study of the stars anybody can be an astronomer astrology is when you bring in that the stars when the stars align and then it's like your life is tied to it and it can you know predict in the signs of the zodiac and hey baby what's your sign all of that it's all that's all demonic right it's a twisting and a contorting of god giving as Leah listed in today's scripture from Genesis, the times and the seasons. And he, God painted a beautiful picture in the sky. So forgive me for giving the Michelle interpretation. Astronomy is literally just the study of the stars. But, and then there's biblical astronomy, which is what the right. definition that you gave, which was the definition for biblical astronomy. Yes. Okay. So there is a biblical astronomy. So you weren't wrong in your definition. And you're just giving the biblical definition of astronomy, which we all need to know. God's definition. Right. The God's definition. So... The devil, can, the devil can't create. He can only twist. Right. And so God put 12 signs in the sky. And zodiac just means a circle. It's like a clock. Okay? So like clockwork, these 12 signs come up and they move with each month all throughout, um, throughout the sky. And then there are three. Each, each sign in the zodiac has three de decans, and those are three other constellations. 
And what's amazing is that the way that these constellations are depicted, now see, I might not come up with Orion, the, you know, the hunter, or Virgo, the virgin. I might not come up with, I mean, kind of Ursa Major and Ursa Minor do look like bears a little bit. So That's I might come up with a little big and, Yeah. But the fact that all these ancient civilizations mm. have the same almost exact script yes. for the sky right. says the same thing to me that you hear about with Noah and the, the stories of the floods. Right. How all these ancient um, civilizations have a story written um, in the sky. Michelle, if you could bring up, I've just got a couple videos here, uh, and I'd like to start with, um, I think there is a pastor here named Joe Amal. I think it's that him, him that I want to start with, but you're going to have to get through a couple ads. And I just want to start. He's got a really interesting, cool intro that he's going to play here. I'm just going to play a few minutes of this. And then we're going to kind of get into the, the Bethlehem Star um, movie documentary. And we're going to break down kind of where I, I, I like the way the Bethlehem Star breaks this celestial dance in the sky down. If, if some people don't think that, that the way he does it is the Bethlehem Star... It doesn't really mean I don't really care <laughs> because I do know that God put um, certain you. stars in the sky. I'm going to start in the beginning for just a few minutes here. Well, and I want to answer a question before we move on to this because this okay. was right in the beginning. Karen was saying, I thought Jesus was born in September. Yeah. He probably was. So when the wise men were coming, mm -hmm. they weren't actually, the, the wise men did not visit Jesus when he was born. So the wise men and the Bethlehem star, that's what we were saying in the very beginning. And that's you, biblical, by us. the way. We're not making stuff up. That's literally yeah. just in the Bible. So um, the wise men visited a toddler Jesus, but the star was in the sky. And so if you stick with us, we'll show you how they followed the star from Jesus um, from back, to, back, back over uh, the Bethlehem star. So I'll, we'll show you guys this. The closest star to us is called Proxima Centauri, and it's a mere 4.22 light years away. Doesn't sound like a lot, but it is. It's about 40 trillion kilometers away from Earth. We're approximately 150 million kilometers from the Sun, so that means that the nearest star to us is 300,000 times the distance from the Earth to the Sun. In the current rocket speeds, it would take us approximately, listen to this, 78 thousand years to get to the nearest star one way. There are over 400 billion stars in our galaxy alone, over a hundred billion planets in the Milky Way, and over a trillion stars in the Andromeda Galaxy, which sits 2.5 million light years from us. And if we could travel at the speed of light, which is approximately 300 million meters per second, it would take us two and a half million years to get there. That's just one galaxy and it's the closest one to us. And the Hubble Space Telescope estimates that there are about 100 million galaxies in the universe. But now new data suggests that number to be 10 times the amount, one trillion. And with four simple words, the God of creation put everything into motion. He started by saying, let there be light. 
<laughs> All right. So that's the beginning, and I thought that was kind of cool. And then I'm going to kind of come over here to about minute 17 here. Uh, we were on a boat and sailed on the Sea of Galilee. We stood up on Mount Carmel where Elijah called down the fire to disprove the false prophets of Baal. Hang on, wait a minute. They can probably hear it just fine. I had turned us down just a little bit because it was okay. too loud in my ear. Okay. We stood on the Mount of Olives where Jesus rolled the donkey into the city. I mean, so all of these amazing things. He's telling how he went to Israel. But we got to do something that was very unique on this trip. We were in the lower Galilee in a place called Bet Sha'an, and we went to see a synagogue from the 5th, 6th century that was so unique because it had a mosaic floor that they've never found anywhere else. And, and look at this mosaic floor, and this was found at the center of a synagogue. Look at that. And if you look at it, you'll see there's the 12 signs of the zodiac. Do you see that? Look at 11 o'clock. You have Leo. To the right, you have Gemini. You have all of these 12 symbols, and you're asking yourself, why in the world would a synagogue put the signs of the zodiac right in the middle of the floor? Well, very, very simple. It's there because it served as a calendar for the people. And at the center, you have the four seasons, the four people wearing masks, and you have the tall figure with the, the light radiating from its head area. That's the sun. And so they knew that when they planted a certain crop, depending on where the sun is, they would follow and track it through the zodiac, and when it got to a certain point, it was time to harvest. So it simply served as a calendar for the people. And we see this in, in different churches even around the world. And so in the synagogue, you have the names, you have these zodiacs. There's a book in the Bible that mentions planets, constellations, and zodiacs by name. Did you know that? It's actually found in the book of Job. And Job is one of the oldest books in history, not just a religious book, but one of the oldest books. It's thousands of years old. And if you've been on our faith journey for a long time, you know the story of Job, right? You know what happened to him. Maybe you're here this morning or you're watching online and you're just kind of tuning into it and you're newer to the journey and you don't know specifically the story of Job. Let me give you the 90-second uh, the version or the 90-second story of Job. The Bible says that Job is a wealthy man, that he's God-fearing, he's righteous, and God has blessed him and everything is going great. And the adversary, the Scripture says, the enemy goes to God and says, I know why Job serves you, because his life is perfect. But you throw a little bit of trouble his way, he will curse you and turn from you so fast. And so he's granted permission to go and wreak havoc in the life of Job. And in the matter of a day, he receives message after message, disturbing messages saying that first his, his livestock has been decimated. That's basically somebody hacked into his bank. Are you the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, or are you just one of those gods? And God answers him with a bunch of these rhetorical questions. And Job 38 captures this conversation, and part of it he says, Job, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Job, can you keep the, the oceans at bay? Can you? And he gives him all these rhetorical questions, the can you do this and can you do this? And then in chapter 38, verses 31 and 33, God says, can you direct the movement of the stars? Can you bind up the clusters of the Pleiades? Or can you loosen or untie the, the cords or the belt of Orion? Can you direct the constellations? The Hebrew word is Maseroth. We're going to come to that. 
Can you direct the constellations through their seasons or guide the bear with her cubs across the sky? Do you know the laws of the universe? Can you use them to regulate the earth? What does that even mean? So God says, am I trustworthy? He says, I created, named, and placed every star in the heavens. I caused them to operate on a daily basis to go through their seasons. Yes, Job, I got this. I got your life. I am trustworthy. And he talks about this thing called the Pleiades, and maybe you've heard of the Pleiades. It's a cluster of seven stars in the constellation of Taurus. It's beautiful. You can see it with binoculars. And then he talks about Orion's belt. You guys have heard of that one? The three stars up in the night sky, it's there right now. It's a winter constellation. Look to the southwest, it's there every night if there's no clouds. And God talks about these images that he painted, that he placed in the sky. You see, images can be used to tell a story. And whenever they find a, a cave that, that maybe is 5, 10, 15, 20,000 years old, you know what they find inside? Paintings. It's not writings they find, but they find the paintings. Why do they find, find paintings? Because you don't have to know the language to understand the sequence of pictures. Let me give you an example. This is very basic, but I think you're going to get it. What do they say? That a, a picture is worth how many words? A thousand words. Okay, here's an example. The first picture they see in a cave is a lion. Every galaxy? That means he created every constellation or zodiac because those are made of stars and planets. You see, God's the creator of the universe, not the enemy. You see, Satan cannot create. All he can do is distort what God has created. So God creates these constellations in the sky. He places these pictures there to tell us a story, to take us on a journey, to bring us back to himself. What does the enemy do? He reverses it. He distorts it through astrology. And he gets people to look at the stars, and he makes it focus on themselves. Folks, in this series, we're not talking about astrology. We're talking about astronomy, God's creation, and how he uses it to paint a picture in the sky. Come on. (laughs) You know, there are 12 signs in the night sky, 12 main signs. And under each main sign is something called a decan, or three sub-signs. And on Tuesday nights, we're really going to dive deep into all of these 48 constellations, 12 main, 36 sub, 48 in total, and we're going to see how each one paints a picture of a story in the life of the Son of God, of Jesus. You know, here's an interesting side note before we, before we continue. So there's 48 constellations in the sky. How is it that every major culture in history when you look at their star charts, look at this first star chart. On the left-hand side, the white one, that's a Chinese zodiac from 5,000 years ago. I'm sorry, that's the Egyptian zodiac on the left side. On the right side is the Chinese zodiac. And if you look at them, although they live thousands of years apart from each other and thousands of miles from each other, they all have the exact same 48 constellations. How is that possible? It's possible because there's a designer behind the universe. So not only did God create the universe, but He designed it as well. And we're going to see right now in the book of Psalm and Isaiah that God, this is our second point, God designed the universe. And He designed it with a purpose, and that purpose was you. Why? Because God loves you on purpose. Come on, say it again. God loves you on 
purpose, and he wanted to make sure that no one ever anywhere missed out on the greatest message ever, which is the signs in the stars. Look at Psalm chapter 8, verse 3. The psalmist speaking of God says, "'When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place.'" They weren't random. There was a purpose. There was a method. There was a reason. And Psalm 147.4 blew my mind when I began to prepare for these series of messages a number of years ago. And it says here that He determines the number of the stars, and He calls them each by name. Guys, that's a wow moment. I told you in my beginning talk that there are over 400 billion stars in our galaxy alone, and that there's a trillion galaxies which all contain those amounts of stars. And God says, not only did I make them all, I place them, I even know them all by name. 400 billion. Some of you have four kids and you can't get their names straight. <laughs> Am I lying? How many parents have called their son Susie by accident? Oh my goodness, I had 50-something cousins. I got called everything but Joe. But yet God creates and names and places all of these stars, and He says, I know them all my name. Why? Because I created it all with a purpose. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 26 says, lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name. On Tuesday nights, we're going to look at the names of some of the stars and the constellations, and we're going to understand why God gave them those names when we see the story that He's telling. Now, some of you might say, well, Joe, you've given us all of these Old Testament verses. That's great, but is there anything in the New Testament? Does anyone else? Okay, you gave us one verse. Jesus mentions the sun, the moon, and the stars. Does anybody else talk about constellations? Or does anybody else talk about planets or space? Yeah, absolutely. The Apostle Paul does. In his big statement, he's writing in Romans chapter 10, and he's talking about his people, the Jewish people, the people of Israel who have fallen away from God. And they've fallen so far. And Paul says, have they fallen so far that they can never come back? And he says, no. And he says, how can these people, though, how can they call on the one that they haven't believed in? And how can they believe on the one that they haven't heard about? And how can they hear unless someone preaches? And how can someone preach unless they go, unless they're sent? And then in verse 18 of Romans 10, Paul says, but did they not hear the message? Why is it that they don't believe? He said, well, of course they heard. And he says, their voice. Somebody's voice has gone out into all the earth, and their words went to the ends of the world. Thank goodness, right, that somebody's voice went out into all the world and preached the gospel. That's, that's great. But who was Paul referring to? Who actually went out and preached this gospel to Israel and to the rest of the world? Maybe he's talking about the, the ministers in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Maybe he's talking about apostles who went out. Maybe the prophets or the evangelists, the pastors or the teachers. That's not who he's talking about because that quote is taken from the book of Psalms in the Old Testament, chapter 19. Okay, you can pause that Paul there. is quoting verses 1. So I'm going to actually read that to you. 
The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utter a speech, and night unto night show us knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through the earth, and their words to the end of the world. Mm. In them has he set a tabernacle for the sun, That's really good. which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. And rejoice is as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the heaven and his circuit unto the ends of it. And there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. Jesus is called the son of righteousness with healing in his wings. Malachi 4, 2, uh, John the Baptist calls the Lord the bridegroom. In John 3, 25 through 31, the Lord sets the course, uh, uh, the course, the constellations are to travel in a year. Around the world, they tell his story to every nation and tongue. To whoever observes the stars in the sky, there is no language or people that are hidden from the celestial revelation of the sun, the sun of righteousness of God. It is posted in the heavens where neither moth nor rust can corrupt it and where human tongue or language cannot dilute its meaning. The scripture also says the heavens declare his righteousness and all the people see his glory. Genesis 1.14 says, and you want to read it? Right here. And God said. And God said, let there be light in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night and let they be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. And God set them to the firmament in the firmament of heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. So the stars were for lights to distinguish from night and day. So on Earth Day uh, had markers signifying when it began and when it ended. Beyond that, they have five additional functions. One, stars are for signs. Signs indicate an upcoming change or event. A sign may also be proof of a person or object's credibility. Two, they are for seasons. A season is an appointed time or a span of time where a specific goal regarding God's will proceeds for a determined amount of time. Three, they are for days, which are 24-hour periods, helping us to keep smaller increments of time. Four, for years, the longer increments of time being the full circle of the earth traveling around the sun, which is approximately 365 days or one year. Five, the stars are for light. They are to illuminate the depth and darkness of space and light. The light they emit is for beauty and to comfort us with knowledge that in the darkness of the night we are not alone. The light of the sun gives hope at the dawn of each new day. So you've got these constellations, uh, 12 signs of the zodiac. You've got three decans. Uh, there are even more constellations in the sky. So if Job talks about the constellations, shouldn't we know them? Shouldn't yeah. we know them? Shouldn't we go out and... Well, and they knew them. And they knew them. And God spoke to Job about the names of the stars and that Orion was a named constellation back in the book of Job. Mm -hmm. So these constellations are in the sky. And so when you say, when you hear the word Zodiac or Aquarius, age of Aquarius and all these different things, that is the devil obfuscating, covering up what God wants you to know. We know that God puts the, the, the stars in the sky for traveling. So you can know where you're at at all times. 
Um, and I tell this to people, but Michelle, when she was homeschooled in high school, she got a book on the stars. And it was God's um, plan for history uh, through the stars. Mm -hmm. And so we took that book and we went outside and we would take walks at night, every single night. And at one point, we could identify every single known constellation, seeable constellation in the sky. Mm -hmm. And it's I'm a little rusty, and I'm working on it, and I'm going to work on it. And most of the bright stars. Now, I'm going to give you a little tip right now. If you go outside, there is one very bright object in the sky, and it's not a star. There's your book. Um, is that it? That's Matter it. and motion? Mm -hmm. Really? That's the star book? That's the star book. Are you sure? That's my school book, yes. Because I thought it was just a plain star book. I didn't know it was a... Well, I know I did this book, and I don't remember doing more than one star book. That has constellations in it? No, maybe that's nope, just... Nope, that one's not it. Okay, that's just a science book. Never mind. Sorry. I did that book. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. That one's not it. Okay. Um, it was just, just a star book. I don't know... I'm t I think it was in the Becca book, though. That's why I was looking it up. I don't know. I thought it was really simple. It was a simple book. It was a book. simple book. Very simple book. Um, but we could, um, if you go outside right now, the brightest star in the sky is not a star. It's a planet. Mm. And it's Jupiter, the king planet. And we are going to talk about Jupiter, the king planet tonight. And I'm kind of really excited about that. But to give you guys an idea of these stars, Michelle, uh, I have a couple more links that I just opened up. I don't know if you could uh, bring them up uh, for sure. me. Um, I'd like to play a few of these um, these clips here uh, so that we could um, go over some of the stars. So he mentioned something. He called it the Maseroth. That is the Hebrew word for the constellations, for the zodiac, for the 12 signs in the sky as they go throughout the night. Um and did you know that every tribe has a star or, or as a constellation that represents every tribe of Israel, 12 tribes of Israel? If you follow, um, what is her name? The Hebrew lady that does Christine all this. Christine Vallis. Christine Vallis. She will do uh, a sign in a season uh, and talk about um, how the different Hebrew tribes come up in each season and what they mean and kind of what season we're in at each time. So there are 12 patriarchs from Seth to Noah and 12 from Shem to Jacob. There are 12 sons of Israel. Um, and if you could, did you find the, the article? The, I think I've got them all. This one here. Um, this, let's see. I opened up some extra ones. Yeah. So let's go and let's learn a little bit before we go into the Bethlehem star. Let's learn a little bit about the night sky. So let's go over here to the intro here, this this clip here about, um, let's do the, the 70 seconds. It's not letting me zoom in on it. Sorry, guys. Click, I, it might if you play on, if you click, click play, it might make it bigger. I just might need all that. Okay. Is it not making it big? Well, it's not even playing yet, so hang on a second. And Elohim said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. Genesis 1, 14 and 15. The signs of the Hebrew Masroth 
a fascinating and groundbreaking new discovery revealing the history and redemption of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. Presented from a biblical and Hebraic understanding, with each sign represented by one of the 12 single Hebrew letters, each letter in turn representing a major milestone in the history and redemption of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel in both the Old and New Testaments of the Bible, and the foreshadowing of the work of the Messiah in accomplishing man's redemption. To learn more, visit www.mass. All right, so I want to go down here a little bit um, to the Hebrew letters. So there are Hebrew letters uh, and, the, and the constellation comparisons here. Uh, Bethula, the Virgin. Let this page. Hang on a second. It should not be taking this long to load. Oh, is it? Is it just too glitchy? It's very glitchy, and it shouldn't be because yours is going just fine. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. Don't worry no, about it. Go over it. I just it's just taking me a minute to scroll down. So that's fine. I just I wanted you guys to see the um, the Maseroth in the sky. I wanted you to see them. Let me see if I can get maybe a better. If Michelle's in the sky, the Jewish Maseroth. Let's see. Wanted you just to be able to see them in the sky. Maybe just bring up a picture so that we can go over some of them. Because it's hard to see. The one thing that I would absolutely love to do is take you guys outside. <laughs> and I can't do that to show you the constellations. How about just one of these? Yeah, you can just bring up one. The Hebrew. It's not getting big. Hang on. This is so silly. One of these should get big on us so that we can look at it large. It's like they make something. It's like they don't want you to see it big. I know. Oh my gosh, none of these are literally opening up big. So silly. Okay, you can try, you can try to bring some up and I will, so when, when, um, this Holy Stars app that comes out, it should come out this week and we'll let you guys know about it. Um, this Holy Stars app that in the beginning I told you about, if you were just coming in, there's a new app coming out. It's going to show us how we can identify God's plan through, uh, the stars in the sky. It's really neat. Um, the Bob Sisson, who uh, helps with Bridie on, um, that's, that's great. And just kind of, you can, you can show them that in the beginning of the year, you have Virgo, the Virgin coming up. And if people, if you can kind of maybe show them, I don't know if you can, if, if your pointer will go over Virgo, the Virgin over here. Well, it's just, just look at three o'clock. Okay. At three o'clock here. So Virgo, the Virgin, as the curtain goes up to begin the play, we see the constellation Virgo appear. This is the beginning of the prophetic revelation in the heavens of how God was going to redeem his creation. The Latin word Virgo means a virgin. It also holds a double connotation with the word Virga, meaning the branch. Both words refer directly to Jesus, the Christ, as the one born to a virgin in the book of Matthew and the branch talked about in Isaiah. The picture of Virgo originally shows the woman holding a branch in one hand and an ear of corn in the other, the seed. In the virgin's left hand, the brightest star is called Spica. And you can kind of see it. It's a, yeah, when you're in March, you go outside and the brightest star in the sky that you'll see is in Virgo the Virgin and it's called, and it's Spica. Spica's Hebrew name is Tesmecha, which means the branch. In the Hebrew language and in the Old Testament, there are more than 20 words used for branch, but Tesmecha 
is often used when speaking of the coming Christ as the Messiah, the branch of God. Throughout the Old Testament, the prophets of God speak of the branch as the coming king, God's servant, the son of man, the Christ as the glorious God. This constellation of Virgo shows clearly that it is speaking of the virgin who would bring forth the Messiah, the branch of God, who would save the world from their sin. And I'm going to give you a, a, a kind of a tip because what's amazing about most of these constellations, and I say most, is that throughout the year, go ahead and let them up there as I'm talking about them. Um, throughout the year, the constellations, if you're in the suburbs, you're not going to be able to see a lot of the smaller stars. Mm -hmm. And so the bright stars that you see here are not actually the picture. It's really kind of neat if you have, let's say, um, let's see, if you have like a book that will help you see, I don't know if this one does that, um, see the kind of the character that actually you draw around it. Um, I'm not seeing that one in this book, but it kind of shows you like Hercules gets drawn out um, into a man. Ursa, the the um, the big bear actually, Ursa Major and Ursa Minor. We have I have a lot of little. This is kind of helpful. The the guide to the to a north north star, and you can um, or to the the star finder. Sorry, and for each. Um, and it will tell you the For magnitude the of yeah. It'll tell you the magnitude of each, and it's this. These things are are pretty helpful. Um, with the sign of the zodiac, you've got Virgo the Virgin and Leo the Lion, which um, each one of them um, that is actually not Virgo the Virgin. Leo the Lion is really an interesting constellation. Is it up there? Do you see? Is um, Leo comes out? So when you look at Leo the Lion. When you're out in the sky, you'll actually see something that looks like a lion. Some of these do not necessarily look like themselves in the sky. Um, and it's helpful when the rest of the stars are actually kind of drawn out and you see the, the, the picture of them out. See if I, I have that in my book. Right now, you're going to be out there, and I don't know if you can show them back again. You're going to see Orion out in the sky. Everybody can go out there. Everybody can see Orion. Everybody should be able to. Um, I don't know if that one has Orion because he's not actually one of. He's a decan of Taurus, the bull. So I don't think that one has Orion. Maybe you can bring up Orion, a picture of Orion so they can see what he looks like. He's the big guy in the sky, in the star. You'll see there's two main stars. There looks to be a belt on go. him. Exactly. There's and and you'll see mostly the shoulders. If you're outside in the suburbs, um, you'll see the belts and you'll see kind of the legs there, um, and you'll see the shoulders. And it's called if, a hunter because it looks like there's a bow and arrow. Exactly. And if you break that down and you go back to the search results, Michelle, uh, you can see what I was talking about with um, kind of a picture of Orion. So he has a sword actually on his belt. There. Um, and he's pictured uh, holding uh, a, a club, and he's okay, pictured so with a shield. Okay, they've got a shield. I think it looks like a bow and arrow. Um, I think it's a bow and arrow, but if you've got a club, do you have yeah, a bow and arrow? Okay. But it looks, it certainly looks like a bow and arrow. It certainly does look like a bow and arrow, and that, that can kind of, um, okay. but that's what you're going to see in the, in, the, in, the star, in the sky right now. But we're going to focus on Leo the lion, and we're going to focus on Virgo the virgin today because they are part of our celestial story when of the coming Messiah. All right, so 
Um, in the Virgin's left hand, the brightest star is called Spica, and we talked about that. So you've got a couple other star names, and if you could bring up Virgo the Virgin, and it might have some of the star names, uh, Virgo the Virgin with star names maybe. Um, Zavija is on the right side of Virgo's head. The meaning of this name is gloriously beautiful, which happens to be the exact same word used in Isaiah 4.2. And what's going to be amazing is that when this star app comes out, you'll be able to go over and you'll be able to see these stars. Uh, Zavidja is right, you can see it um, right here. This one is um, maybe is a little better one. one. Yeah, that one's good. Uh, Vindem Matrix is her right elbow, okay? No, that's too small. And I like this one. This is a childish one, but it'll, I think it'll the be meaning good. of this star is the branch who comes or the no. sun who comes. Oh, these are too tiny. Sabulon is on her right hand, and the, the, the meaning of this name is ear of wheat, which correlates to the seed that will come from the wheat. Um, we're going to skip the Deccan uh, star, uh, constellations around her. Up so small. And we're going to go. Nope. Um, Not going to work. Sorry, mm -hmm. guys. My apologies. Let's see if we can get to. Um, I want to get to Leo the lion. And I want to talk to you about Leo the lion because he has a big part in this story. I mean, scrolling down here. Hang on. To I have a really cool article I think that will be given out to all of you in uh there we go ah okay Leo begins the final scene of the final act of the play which is interesting because it starts with Virgo the Virgin and ends with Leo the Lion we started out in Virgo where the Virgin gave birth to the promised seed who will eventually destroy the serpent now that the seed has become the Lion of Judah who will strike the final blow to destroy the evil in the night sky, the tail of Leo nearly touches the head of Virgo. We started our story with Virgo, and we will end it with Leo. The previous sign of cancer shows that the people of God are safely protected in their sheepfolds. And now it is time for the Lion of Judah to finish the work that was started so long ago through the sign of Virgo. In the final scene, Leo puts his foot and claws onto Hydra, the serpent, for the last time. This final blow is the one that destroys Hydra for all time. Three times before, in Ophiuchus, in Hercules, and in Orion, we saw Christ's representative uh, prophesied to crush the head of the serpent. You're always seeing that, the crushing the head of the serpent. And there's a serpent that comes up behind um, uh, um, Virgo, the virgin. And it's really beautiful in the sky. Most people can see it. It, it, it. It's like one, two, three, and then kind of you can kind of see the tail and go, it goes around. Uh, three times before, in, Ophi okay. in Leo the Lion, we will see the actual final prophesied act play out. The Hebrew name for this constellation is Aria, which literally means the lion rending. The Syriac name is Arrow, uh, meaning the lion who rends. In the ancient Egyptian Dendura Zodiac, they placed the word Kum under Leo, which means who conquers. The star names tell the story as well. Regulus. Now, I want you guys to recognize that star, Regulus. And, and I don't know if Michelle could bring him up and show you. Regulus, right there in the heart. Regulus means treading underfoot. Zuzma means shining forth. Minkar al-Assad means punishing, tearing lion. Al-Gibha means the exaltation. Debola means the judge who comes quickly. Al-Defura means the enemy thrust down. In scripture, we find that the Lion of Judah will do the final work to destroy the evil one and prepare the world for eternity. It is appropriate that the star gospel fits perfectly in line with the written scripture on this fact. 
scrolling for uh, the words for star names, Regulus, Treading Underfoot, Zosma, Shining Forth, uh, the Punishing Tearing, tearing Lion. So um, what, you'll, what you'll see underneath of Leo uh, is interesting, which is Hydra, uh, which is a, a, a Deccan's constellation of Leo. Well, that's not on my picture. It's not on there. It's fine. And is the largest and longest constellation in the sky. Hydra means the abhorred and is definitely depicts the evil one. The one bright star in the constellation is Alphard, which means the excluded or put out of the way. This star testifies to the fact that Leah will soon exclude him from uh, the earth and heaven. He will be put out from our presence and out of the way. He will be thrust down into the lake of fire for all eternity. And by this fact, Leo, the lion of Judah, will put an end to sin and death and the rebellion against the authority of God will be over. Revelation 20:10. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. You can see the word, uh, the name Alphard for Hydra means the excluded or put out of the way. So we're going to go back to our story. Now that you have two constellations under your belt and hopefully come spring, uh, you'll be able to see Virgo the Virgin. I, I'm not actually, I don't think that that's the way I would depict Virgo the Virgin. I usually see it as it's kind of like, um, it kind of is a long constellation with kind of two points. That's how I usually find Virgo the Virgin. Um, there's many different ways you can kind of point out some of these constellations a little bit better than others. So I want to bring up the, the the long one, Michelle, the Bethlehem, um, the Star of Bethlehem, full documentary. There's more, there's more. I'm not and I want to start just, I think, a little bit in the beginning, uh, and then we're going to walk through kind of um, the the history of the, how, um, how the, the, I forget his name. Who did it? What's his name? Shoot. The Bethlehem Star guy. Well, you can go to the Star of Bethlehem. We're going to be kind of learning from his website um, tonight. And I, um, what's his name? We'll find it. Why don't I put okay. it quick place? Yeah. Good evening. Are you guys excited? I am very excited because I'm going to be your guide to one of the great mysteries, the Star of Bethlehem. This, this has been a mystery for 2,000 years since the original events, and people have wondered about it for centuries, whether the star was a real event or whether it was something made up by the early church. And, you know, really, that's the two basic positions people have taken historically. Believers, some people believe the Bible is true, and they say, well, the star's in the Bible, so I'm good with it. They don't worry about it. But there are other people who have a more critical attitude towards the star. And uh, they read the story, and they say, wait a minute. 
That star is described as doing things that stars can't do. That must have been made up. You know, it's a myth created by the early church to add weight to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Well, those are the two pole, pole positions. We're not going to take either one of those this evening. What we're going to do is to treat the star more like a puzzle or a mystery to be solved. And we're going to go through the Bible and find all the clues we can there. And we're going to compare those against the facts we know from history and see if there's a matchup. And I think you're going to find this completely fascinating. Um, before I get off into the uh, whole presentation, though, I always like to tell people how I came to do it. So most people want to know that anyway. I'm not an astronomer. I'm a lawyer. Um, and but with Kepler's discovery, we can. Wonder, you know, why are we finding this stuff out now? So let me explain that a little bit. There's several reasons that I want you to know. First, we couldn't really know what the skies, ancient skies, looked like before we discovered the math behind the movements of the solar system. That happened in the 1600s. Anybody know who discovered how the solar system works? You hear Copernicus. He, Copernicus figured out that the, the sun was the center instead of the Earth. The guy who figured out the actual math that drives the planets, that was Kepler, Johannes Kepler. And Kepler uh, puzzled out the three laws of planetary motion in the early 1600s. Now those laws hold today, they're math, and they're the same laws that NASA uses and the ESA uses to, uh, to predict where planets will be. When they launch a rocket and it has to travel for 13 years to get someplace, they know where the uh, celestial bodies will be because it's all like a great clock. It's extremely regular, it's mathematically precise. Kepler discovered that in the 1600s. Before that, we couldn't calculate what the skies looked like in past times. But with Kepler's discovery, we can. Kepler discovered the math, and he did have a problem. I mean, uh, math is, uh, was laborious back then. It was done in your head or on paper, and you have a lot of calculations if you're trying to calculate the appearance of the night sky and all the stars in it. I mean, that's a lot of work. And the, the man used you know, a quill pen and some vellum, probably, and probably took a long time for him to draw a chart, and that would be accurate. His math was excellent. And he'd have an accurate picture, but it would be a snapshot. You know, and if he, if, he, if he calculated the appearance of the sky on the wrong day or the wrong week or the wrong hour, for that matter, he might totally miss something very significant. But that all changed, you know, today. I mean, that's one of the reasons why we're hearing about the star now, because we've taken that math and put it into software. You can see the night sky uh, from any place on the surface of the Earth at any time in history in an instant. And it's so fast, you can animate the sky. Kepler was a religious guy, so the first thing he did, once he discovered these laws, first thing he did, he starts cranking those laws, trying to find, what, the Star of Bethlehem. He wrote two books on it, but Kepler missed the star. And the reason he missed the star is he was looking in the skies at the wrong years. Here's the problem. Kepler had a mistaken understanding of first century history. He thought a very important man died on a certain date, and he was just wrong. The very important man was King Herod, the same King Herod who tried to kill the baby Jesus. So obviously Herod was alive when Jesus was born, and Kepler believed that Herod died in 4 BC, and so he only looked in earlier years. He looked in 5 and 6 and 7 BC for the star of Bethlehem. When you look in those years, you don't find much. It turns out that Kepler was taking his information from the writings of one Flavius Josephus. Josephus was a, a, a Jewish scholar. He wrote it about the same time that Jesus was on earth and he wrote Jewish histories. And, and from the Josephus writings, it's possible to infer the date of Herod's death. I use that word infer because uh, he didn't use our dating system, our calendar system, so he couldn't just say 4 BC. But you can, you can infer the date of Herod's death from Josephus's writing. Kepler thought that inference should be 4 BC. But we have new knowledge. A man took an interest in this question of when Herod died. And this gentleman went and looked at 
manuscripts from Josephus. He looked at the, in the British Museum and our museums here in the United States, and he found that all the oldest manuscripts, every one that dates before 1544, all of them are consistent with Herod having died in 1 BC. Uh, some kind of a printing or copying error or something crept in and, and propagated from there. And so it, actually, if you have a copy of Josephus on your shelf right now, it's probably gonna be a 4 BC copy because it propagated widely. But all the early manuscripts, you know, are consistent with Herod having died in one. And that opens up the possibility for us to look in the years two and three BC for the star. And when you look there, the sky explodes. Now, a funny thing happened when I began to find all this stuff in that article and in a lot of other stuff too. I was finding signs in the sky. Funny thing happened. I got cold feet. And I decided I got to quit this. So I don't know if you guys saw uh, as you're going uh, quickly through that, but you can see um, uh, some of the, the rather um, the. Kind of I instead went and did an extension. To some, some of the. the um, Constellations. constellations and how they would be depicted by a drawing and what the pastor was saying before I caught him off so if you go to a cave and you see kind of a, a drawing of a man mm -hmm. and you see a drawing of what looks like a lion and you see him painted red and then you see the man dead on the ground right after you're gonna it's gonna tell a story right yes lion killed man and you and and nobody needs to tell you that in any written language That's so the true. picture just tells you lion killed man yes okay That's good. so i didn't come up with that i have to be honest that sounded really i know good. right no, just own it no and Steal and so it. in the sky in the stars mm -hmm. all of these look like something it the, uh, the big dipper it actually looks like the bear the big bear it does look like a bear in the when sky when you can see all of the when things. you see all the stars you can see all a lady lying down virgo yes. the virgin uh gemini the twins with these two bright stars you can actually kind of see how there would be two people there um when you're looking obviously at orion as a man in the sky yeah with a belt and a sword you could see him okay or a when club you, and a shield or a club and a shield and you see the lion leo the lion you can see the head you can see the mane and everybody can see it and god yes. put them there to tell us a story the problem with electricity and, and 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 what we have now with all the lights is that we have what's called light pollution and so you're not able to tell the story and you can't actually hear god speaking to you because when you go outside you're not going to hear you're not going to see the story yeah. and so we have to you know get out your starbucks get out of the city and go ask god uh to reveal to you You've got to know these things these were stories that would be passed down from a time you're a baby you would know and 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 michelle you mentioned even like in many cultures they're sleeping outside they're sleeping under the stars and they're staring at them for hours on end. i didn't Think make that up either though Think about, so we're on, we're literally, tomorrow is the longest night of the year. And that's interesting because tomorrow night is the night we're going to premiere our interview with Bob about his app. And so the longest night of the year is going to, you're going to be outside. You're going to be looking at them stars a little bit more mm -hmm. for the longest time. Oh. Okay. And so when, you know, when, when the Magi were traveling, I believe they're traveling at night. Why not? The stars are there to guide you. 
Who else, who else gets, who else travels by night? Sailors. Sailors, they travel by night. They need those stars. They need their sextant. They need to know where they're at at any given time and you're traveling by the stars. They're literally Google Maps. <laughs> and we can't travel by the stars anymore. We don't even know what the constellations are. We don't know what times and season. You can literally tell what season and time and month and almost to the day that you are in by the stars and where they are in the sky and at what time. And, and here's the cool thing is you can tell what time you're at by the sun's rising and the sun setting and the moon coming and and that's how God that's how God works. So there are nine points to um, why he believes that a, a certain conjunction, which is two different stars kind of coming together in the sky or a planet and a star, making it brighter. Mm. Why there's a certain conjunction uh, in the sky in Leo the lion with Regulus with the king planet. And so I don't think I ever said this to you, but um, the king planet is Jupiter. The king uh, constellation is Leo the lion and the king star is Regulus. And, and that means when you're, when you're looking for maybe the star of Bethlehem, that's a good place to look. You're also looking in Virgo the virgin next to the king is also a good place to look. I don't think it necessarily does because numbers can be very uh, confusing. They can be misleading. Uh, my biologist friend of mine told me that I have a hundred trillion cells in my body, not billion, trillion cells in my body. Does that make me huge? Well, I, I don't know. It depends on your frame of reference, doesn't it? So we don't know if God thinks the universe is big. God may say the universe, universe, where did I put the universe? <laughs> he calls them each by name. Because of God's great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. What does it mean to be missing? It means to be out of place, not where you belong. You mean all the stars, hundreds upon hundreds of billions of stars are right where God wants them? Yes. That's what Isaiah is saying. Now I'm yes. going to show you something that David has said. Um, the thing that makes me just love him is his nickname in Scripture. You know what he's called? He's called the man after God's own heart. I hear that and I'm thinking, oh man, I want that. I do you know? too. Wouldn't you like to be a person after God's own heart? I mean, love he's the man. Tell love the scripture him. that we know. Now, you so I'm going to that a little bit. I wanted to go further. So that means I had to really puzzle it through. Yes. Same word root as our word magic. Are they magicians? Or the magi. You know, the one showed up in Acts and he was a bad actor, so some of them were bad. We don't know that much about the magi. We don't even really know how many there were. We think there were three only because there are three gifts mentioned in Scripture. But we do know something about magi, at least, because we have the writings of uh, a Jewish philosopher and historian named Philo. Philo lived in Alexandria, Egypt, in the large Jewish community there, and he was a, 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 a copious writer. And his works have made it through to the present day. I've got a, you know, a huge compendium of, of Philo at home. Most first century histories have been lost. That's the truth, because we burned our, the world's major libraries in various conflicts over the years. But Philo made it through, and Philo does discuss magi. And he describes a particular school of magi. He calls it the Eastern School. And these magi, he praises. He says, these guys understand the natural order, and they're able to explain natural order to others. And, and we, they were, according to Philo, probably what we, we might call something like proto-scientists. They were the scientists of their day. At least this fancy Eastern school of magi was of that character. Now, we don't know that these magi in scripture are from that Eastern school, but don't you think it's interesting that Matthew wants us to know they came from the East? I think he's telling us these magi were from the good school. Impressive magi. I have a theory about this Eastern school of magi that perhaps they were descended from Daniel's day. Daniel never went home. He stayed there believe. until he died, I, that is my totally and I'm sure theory. it was. For example, they didn't have bright lights like this. The brightest thing anyone ever saw at night was a flame. So their eyes were adjusted. 
Right. Plus, they didn't have air pollution, which cuts down visibility. Right. They didn't have smog and stuff like that back right. then. As a result, they all had seen the Milky Way. Yes. Everybody had seen the Milky Way, and were familiar with the stars and the constellations and all because the star, you know, was, they were perfectly available to the naked eye, oh. unlike most of our cities. Another reason they knew about the, st the, the stars is it's a hot, arid place to live, the Middle East. And in the summertime, people used yep, to sleep on their roofs. Yep, exactly. As they went from Jerusalem to Bethlehem, let's do that one first. You may not know the geography of Israel. You don't need a map, you don't need a star, you don't need a guide to find Bethlehem from Jerusalem. It's five miles south on the main road. You can see Bethlehem from Jerusalem. So it's just five miles south, so we know the star, whatever it was, had to be ahead of them as they were headed due south. Okay? Oh, you know what else? There's another clue I have to pull out of this for you. Remember that they saw the star when they were in the east? And then they traveled to Jerusalem, and then they saw the star still? That means the star endured over time. And then here's the tough one. Here's the toughest of all nine points. Until it stopped over the place where the child was. Mm. Can a star stop? You wouldn't think so, but it can and did. And I'm going to show you. You now know more about the star than any of your neighbors. I promise you, you now know the nine points that identify the star. So I'm going to give you a little quiz here. Don't worry, you'll do great. Um, first, might the star have been a shooting star, a meteorite? No, I agree with you. Not. Well, why not? There are probably six or eight reasons why. Stop. Doesn't stop, right? Shooting stars don't do that, right? Gone for two seconds. Okay, what about, uh, it's not a shooting star, what about a comet? I'll answer that one for you. Comets are a better candidate because they rise in the east like other stars. They, they uh, uh, endure over time. They can be spectacular. Some of them have tails that could be taken to point. That's kind of cool. Um, but I don't think it was a comet. I got basically three reasons for thinking that. First one is kind of soft science, but it's just the fact that from the earliest recorded human history, and by that I mean cave paintings, from the very earliest times, comets have been omens of doom. That's how humans conceive of them, because they operate outside the normal system. They come from nowhere. So I'm going to give you, and, and, I'm, and you guys can watch this whole documentary, but I'm going to give you the nine points that he talks about, and we're going to come back to this in a moment. Um, nine points about this star. Okay, number one, uh, the Magi's question gives us three points um, in Matthew 2, 2. Where is the one who will be born king of the Jews? So we need to know birth, kingship, and the Jews. It also gives us a clue about the Magi. They were interested in Jewish things. Matthew 2, 2. We saw his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. When the wise men said we saw his star in the east, they didn't mean we saw his star while we were in the east. The Greek text here means the star was in and in toll, which mean, meaning they saw his star rising in the east. Uh, that's what all but polar stars do because of the rotation of the earth. Stars rise in the east, but not all celestial objects do that. So that's another qualification for the star. Number four, it must rise in the east like most other stars. The motive of the Magi in coming to Jerusalem tells us a great more about them. They wanted to worship a Jewish king. It can't be proven from the test, but it is quite possible that some of the Magi were of Jewish descent, perhaps a Jewish remnant from Daniel's day. This would help explain, remember, not everybody left Babylon. There were a ton of Jews in Babylon at the time. There's a lot of Jews, okay? Um, this would help explain why a Jewish philosopher, Philo, we talked about, would admire them and why they were watching the sky for things Jewish, why they wanted to worship a Jewish king, and why they were so taken so seriously by Herod and the Jewish king priest. Remember, and Herod eventually killed all the little boys um, mm. that would be around Jesus' age because he was afraid. 
Uh, if they were not Jews, they must have been the most impressive magi indeed, as Jews of the time were deeply disdainful of pagans and their uh, and this beliefs. Matthew 2, 3. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all of Jerusalem with him. Uh, you must know more to understand just how uh, very troubled Herod and Jerusalem became at the Magi's news. Historians tell us that respect for the stars and guidance derived from them was at a peak. Both ancient historians in the Bible make it clear that the, uh, of the, that the Jews of this period expected a new Jewish ruler in, to arise based upon the prophecy of Daniel. They were waiting, they were looking. And it was accepted that the stars could announce such an arrival. An example, about 60 years earlier in 63 BC, Magi made a presentation to the Roman Senate. They described celestial portents, indicating that a new ruler had been born. Eventually, regretting the news, the Senate responded by ordering the death of baby boys in the candidate age range. Sound familiar? It turns out that when Herod ordered the slaughter of children in Bethlehem, he may have been following a sort of Roman precedent. That precedent may be one reason Jerusalem was troubled at the news the wise men brought. Perhaps they realized the Romans might shed blood in the response. Matthew 2, 4. You want to read that? When he had called together all the people's <clears throat> chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Mm. Herod took the Magi's meshes as factual and consulted the Jewish experts about the location of the birth. The fateful verse in the book of Micah, which is quoted to Herod by Jewish experts, soon resulted in the death of many little boys in Bethlehem. Would you read Matthew 2-7, Michelle? Wait a minute. It's Minkle's birthday. Minkle's oh. happy birthday. birthday. Ready to sing it. Happy. Monday. Wait, wait, wait. Monday was oh, their birthday. Okay. Okay. No, no, no. You still sing happy birthday. It's so two days ago. Pass. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Minkles. Happy birthday to you. Awesome. All right. Happy birthday. Will you read Matthew 2, 7 here? Absolutely. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. So here we have another qualification for the star. It appeared in an exact time. And then Herod didn't know it had appeared. Matthew 2, 8. He sent them to, the Beth to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I may too go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. Wait a minute. All right. So it endured over a considerable period of time. The Magi saw it, perhaps from Babylon, and traveled to Judea. They had to have seen it for Babylon. Uh, and then traveled to Judea and, and saw it. Um, it went ahead of them as they traveled from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. And I know what that's like because we have followed stars and yeah. followed things in the sky. Yeah. We have followed them and, we, and we'll see where it's at. Where is Venus at tonight? Where is, where is Jupiter at tonight? Where are these planets at tonight? Um, it went ahead of them. You might not realize that this doesn't mean the star was needed to guide the travelers to Bethlehem. Bethlehem was and is just five miles south of Jerusalem on the main road. They couldn't miss it. No, the star appears ahead of them as they trek south, not so much as a guide, as a further confirmation of the signs they had seen. Lastly, the star stopped. So what was the star? It signified birth. So we're going to look in constellations that might signify birth. It signified kinship, kingship. It had a connection with the Jewish nation. It rose in the east like other stars. It appeared at a precise time. Herod didn't know when it appeared. It endured over time. It was ahead of the Magi as they went south from Jerusalem to Bethlehem, and it stopped over Bethlehem. All right, so we can kind of 
uh, break this down. That's what he, he begins to break down. Is it a meteor? So a meteor is a small fragment of material or even celestial dust, which enters Earth's atmosphere. Um, it, it, you know, you've got these shooting stars, but it, it, they burn up, right? So comets last longer. A comet is an object which has a very large orbit around about the sun, an orbit of many years duration. Uh, you may be familiar with Halley's Comet. Halley's, like many comets, is a block of ice. In Halley's case, a few miles across. It orbits the sun at in a 75.5-year circuit. And like all comets, it is easily tracked using Kepler's equations. Comets do rise in the east and endure over time, but there are several problems with the comet. The first problem is sociological. And again, comets predict doom. Okay? A bigger problem is you don't see any comets in the sky from 3 to 2 B.C., Several civilizations maintain re records of such phenomena, notably the Chinese. What about a supernova? You know, one of those stars when stars go supernova. Uh, it's obvious it could be a supernova. Uh, many of us uh, have been to locations such as high mountains or in a desert far from artificial light. Uh, we may marvel at how clearly the heavens can be seen under such conditions. Unless weather interfered, Jerusalem was like that every night. If a nova suddenly appeared, Herod's going to know about it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, if the star wasn't one, a meteorite, a, a meteor, a comet, a supernova, what's left? The biblical qualifications that Herod had to ask when the star appeared is a powerful clue. Anyone can glance up and see the planets and the stars. That is the nature of things in the sky. We're looking for a story to be told. We're looking for something that is very rare. But it's going to be something rare and something that was pretty common. But the stories and the constellations that they find themselves in, mm -hmm. that is what the story is, is, is being told. We're going to see Virgo the Virgin, we're going to see Leo the Lion, and we're going to see how something common became spectacular and the story became spectacular through the constellations. Once the star was pointed out, all Jerusalem went abuzz. They figured it out. And Herod jumped into murderous action. A reasonable hypothesis is that the star must have been something in the normal night sky, which was striking when actually explained. Uh, did anything interesting happen in the ordinary skies over the Middle East in 3 or 2 BC? Absolutely. And this is where we get to the starry dance. And I think um, if we go, let's go to Rick here to the starry dance. And uh, let's see if we can find, cue that up here. Um, and you can choose to choose any time to view, and we're view, viewing 3 BC, it's September. This is the compass rose, it says yeast, and this red line is the path of Jupiter through the sky. I've turned it on just to make it easier for you to follow Jupiter. Now when I animate the sky, what's going to happen is you're going to watch the screen increment, and it's going to kind of do it stepwise, and what's happening in between those steps is the program is running through all that math to make sure that exactly what, you know, what you see is exactly what happened. So let's take a look, and we see Jupiter rising. Oh, cool, Mr. Larson. There better be more, right? <laughs> I got this more. There's more. I'm, I'm already messing with you, though, because there are actually two things here. Can you see the two objects there? Let me take you to another screen so I can enlarge it without messing this screen up. I'm just going to zoom in. And as I zoom in, you'll find that there are two objects there. This is Jupiter, the smaller object is a star. It has a name. It's called Regulus. That's the same word as our word Regal. The Babylonians called Regulus Sharu, which means king. The Romans called Regulus Rex, which means king. This is the king star. We now have the king planet, the king star coming in a very close approach. 
So I'm out there on the deck and I'm typing away and I find this and I think, well, that's pretty cool. I mean, you know, I can see King there. Well, that was interesting. It was. That was a conjunction. It's interesting. But it also made that was the case. And if they were watching, weather permitting, if they were watching, they might have seen something like this two or three times before. Yeah. So somewhat rare, somewhat interesting. Yeah, make a note of it. That's what they were into. But uh, probably wouldn't send them to Jerusalem. Probably not. But of course, there's more. Now, I'd already told you that wandering stars move about in the field of fixed stars, right? But um, they don't, they don't do it correctly. <laughs> Just so you know, the planets misbehave. Let me show you what they do. Uh, here's what it looks like. Here's what Mars is, uh, looks like as it moves through the fixed stars. It moves along like you'd expect it to, but then it slows down and loops, continues on a ways, and loops again. Well, what's with that, Mars? That's pretty weird, isn't it? Okay, I mean, it's looping through the sky like that? That's exactly what it looks like, but of course it's optical. It's what uh, astronomers call retrograde motion. Retrograde motion. It's caused by the fact that we're watching from a moving platform. Just like when you uh, are driving your car and Think you pass somebody on the roadway, they appear You're to drop back. Uh, they're not really going backwards. You're just watching from a moving platform. Same spinning. thing, we're watching from Earth. And so when Earth spins past another Maybe planet in its orbit, that Weird. planet may appear to act strangely, move mm -hmm. backwards, retrograde motion. And Jupiter does that, of course. Jupiter's retrograde is very shallow, if I can get my star to go on. Jupiter goes like this, it slows up, it doesn't blink like that. And does a very shallow little circle, kind of a little like that. Yeah, it kind of looks like a halo over somebody. So did Jupiter do that at an interesting time? Well, yes, it did. Let's take a look. I'll animate Jupiter and let it drop a tail so you can watch it. Jupiter passed Regulus, changed its mind, stopped and went back for a second close approach. That's two. Passed Regulus again, changed what its mind, doing? and came back for a third close approach. Whoa. Triple conjunction, much more rare, much more rare. And if you choose to see it, Jupiter has just drawn a halo or a crown over the king planet. Interesting. I can see king there, can't you? I can see king, 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 right? Some people would say, well, king, 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 you know, new king, or maybe it means birth. I don't know. I, try, I can't get much more out of that, but I do see king there, very sure. A lot of stuff still missing, though. I mean, I don't see the Jewish nation up there anyplace. So, of course, there's more. Next, I want to ask you a question. Um, Twelve Jewish tribes, one produces Messiah. Which one? Anybody know? You're right. Say it louder. It's Judah. That's right. What's the animal symbol for the tribe of Judah? That's correct. Okay, good. Let me take you to the first book of the Bible. Look at Genesis 49 for a prediction of the coming Messiah. We read, you're a lion's cub, O Judah. You return from the prey, my son. Like a lion, he crouches and lies down. Like a lioness, who dares rouse him? The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until he comes to whom the scepter belongs, and the obedience of the nations is his. I need a prop. I'm going to use this for a prop. You all know what a scepter is? The thing that kings hold to show that they're kings, right? I want you to remember the scepter is going to show up again. Okay, so this is a prediction of Messiah coming in his role as king of, king of kings. Well, that association with the Lion of Judah, that helps us. Let's go back to the sky. So, if we so look at the sky and turn on... understand that God 
is putting a story in the sky and you're understanding that the Magi are going to be looking for the story of a king and a Messiah then the, and a Jewish king and a Jewish Messiah. They're going to be looking in the sky and they're, and they're already looking in the sky. They're looking for the map that God and the storybook that God has yeah. already written. So, Michelle, what would qualify a constellation that they would be looking for? I just said it. He just said it. Leo, Leo the lion. Yes. Right. Right. Okay. So we, Leo the lion. Leo the lion. So when the, they're looking towards the constellation, Leo the lion, and Leo the lion has the king star in his it, right there, and it's Regulus the king star. We're going to go back pretty I quickly. I want to show him John's picture. Oh, okay. Go ahead. So John, um, John Barnes, you guys hear us talk about him all the time in our um, look up your redeemer draws near. That's mm -hmm. a scripture that he gave. So John says, I just stepped outside because they're watching the show. Hi, John and Stacey. Love you. Um, a little cloudy, but you can see Orion. Also, I have been 200 miles out to sea in the middle of the night. The stars are amazing. And we did have uh, on board a man who knew how to use a sextant and chart our location by which the stars, uh, by the stars and, and the watch. So look at this picture that John took. Ooh, you, you got, can show totally it up really good. See Orion there. You can, sorry, my all the bright stars. So you're going to see one, two. First, certainly you can see the belt in the middle, but you can see all of the but bright stars. But you can stars. see his right here, right here at his shoulders. Yeah. And then you've got the, good job, John. Good it's picture. Excellent. You know, stars do not show up in pictures very well. I have not ever and, really um, done a good job taking pictures of the stars. And that is a phenomenal picture of those stars. Well done. Well done. So we're, we're looking for king, king, king. And then we're going to look. So we just learned about... Uh, how God put these stars in the sky, that, that Leo the lion is the king constellation. And so when he's seeing the planet, king planet Jupiter, in the constellation of Leo the lion, what these magi are saying is that the story of God is being played out. I'm looking at it being played out in the sky. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to go back to Rick. Rick. Here. Go back to Rick. I hope you guys are enjoying this. This is literally one of my favorite subjects. This is my favorite films. Mm -hmm. Like, hands down, yeah. I I could share this with everybody that I have shared this with everybody that I know. Mm -hmm. I don't know that I've ever made a friend I haven't told them about this, by the yeah. way. Yeah. This is the first time we've ever really covered it on our show. On the constellations, we'll see that Jupiter has been crowning Regulus right here in the constellation Leo the Lion. Mm -hmm. Well, now I can see an association with the Jewish nation. I can see King 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 in Leo. Well, that's pretty interesting. That's pretty cool. But there's something even bigger that I got to show you that really spooked me when I saw it. And to do that, I'm going to take you back to the Bible, to the last book of the Bible. We've just been in the first book of the Bible. Now we're in the last book of the Bible, Revelation. And I want to talk a little bit about Revelation first and about its author, because I want to make sure you're all on the same page. We know all that. Um, it was written by a man named John. No. Uh, he wrote five books of the New Testament, including the Gospel. He wrote Revelation when he was an old man. He, he, and, and under dire circumstances, the guy was uh, on the island Patmos, basically locked up for his Christian beliefs. And he was there, most commentators think, for six to nine months and basically solitary on a rocky island. And he was old at that point, maybe probably in his 80s, maybe almost, could it even be 90s? And that's when he wrote the book of Revelation. Now, now all of you who've read it, you know it speaks in a swirling prophetic imagery. You know, and it's a, it's, a lot of it seems metaphorical. Sometimes it's not chronological. It's a difficult book. It's a difficult book to interpret, but uh, I can't explain most of it. I can, though, explain a little. I'm going to go to Revelation 12 and show you a corner that I think I understand. Let's take a look and see what John describes. 
He says, a great and wondrous sign appeared in heaven. What is the sign? Well, I want you to watch this. It's a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon at her feet, and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and 10 horns and seven crowns on his heads. If you understand this, please email me, okay? His tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that he might devour her child the moment it was born. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. Hey, here's that scepter again. Who's the child? That's Jesus in his role as king of kings. We saw the, pre the prediction in Genesis, and here in Revelation, he appears again, and he's got that scepter, because he's now the king of kings. So, if the child is Jesus, who's the woman? Yeah, that's pretty easy. Okay. And in, in, in metaphorical terms, who's the dragon that waited at the, at the foot of the woman to devour the child? That's Herod. The dragon is Herod. John elsewhere tells us in Revelation that the, the dragon is Satan, but we know in human terms it was Herod. So we now understand what he's describing is the birth of Jesus, but he sees it in the heavens. I'm going to show you something now that definitely got all little hairs up on the back of my neck and the back of my arm. and Because uh, what follows Jupiter into the sky as we animate the sky is Virgo, the virgin. And she's clothed in the sun. And she has the moon at her feet. So amazing. It's just a crescent moon, a very small crescent, barely a visible moon. There's a reason for that. This is Jewish New Year, Rosh Hashanah. The sheer weight of symbolism in the sky on this day blew me away. In September of 3 BC, when Jupiter is coming in a close conjunction with Regulus, the king planet and the king star. That happening in Leo, the lion, representing the nation of Judah, the tribe of Judah. That rises in the sky and behind it rises Virgo, the virgin. And she's clothed in the sun. And she has the moon at her feet. It's exactly what John described in Revelation 12. It's what he saw in his vision. It's obvious. That got me. When I went on the time forward and saw that rise and realized, oh my goodness, that's what John saw. There it is. That really let all of Paris come up. So I'm looking at all this stuff happening, you know, and I'm, everything's just, you know, really moving me. And I'm thinking, man, if we, this may be the birth of Jesus. And then I thought, wait a minute, maybe not. Because Jewish people and a lot of Christian people believe that uh, life begins at conception. So I thought to myself, well, this might, maybe this is the conception of Jesus. Maybe this is the, the, the Annunciation, when Gabriel appeared to Mary and, and, and she said, be it done unto me. Well, you can test that. I thought, well, let's just wind forward nine months and see if there's anything uh, interesting happening in the sky. So that's what I did. So let's jump forward nine months. Now, we're still reading from Babylon because uh, I don't think they've left yet. <laughs> it's now 2 BC. It's, it's June. It's nine months later. Jupiter has finished crowning Regulus in Leo and is now moving backwards through the constellations like it always does. I'm going to not the sunset because I need the sky to be darker. You can see it setting in the west, of course, like everything does because it's the rotation of the earth. Incidentally, if you're in Babylon and you're looking west, what are you looking toward? Israel. Okay. 
Now I'm going to show you something that you can see in any planetarium around the world. Even if they don't believe in Jesus or you know, the Bible or anything, they're going to show you this at Christmas. Because all planetaria do Christmas shows. That's the only way they can get you in there, right? Um, and they always show this event because this event is simply so spectacular. Whether they believe in God or not, they're going to show you this, this shot. Um, I'm going to kind of cheat as I show it to you, though, because the, uh, observation back then was all naked eye observation. They had no lenses. So I'm going to cheat. I'm going to zoom in because I want to show you guys. I'm going to take you in on the secret of what's happening here. They couldn't zoom, but we can. So I'm going to zoom in way in. Until finally, I get those two objects separated. One of them's Jupiter. The other one's another planet. And you're going to tell me which one, too. Men are from Mars. Women are from Venus. That's the mother planet. Venus is the mother planet. So we have Jupiter, the king planet, and Venus, the mother planet, coming into very close conjunction. That seems kind of pregnant, doesn't it? In fact, they got even closer than that. Let me wind time forward just a little bit. What I'm trying to show you is that they really stacked like a figure eight. So they didn't block each other's light. They added. What you had then was two stars stacked on top of each other, too close together to separate with the naked eye. Right. And so to an observer, it appeared to be the brightest star anyone alive had ever seen. Um, you, we know the math, and so I can tell you that no one alive had ever seen a star that bright. That was it. I believe the star of Bethlehem was the brightest star. So we've seen the birth of a king in the sky. We've seen the brightest star. But now we have the issue of it being in the south. Remember when they were traveling from Jerusalem to Bethlehem, the star is said to have been before them, ahead of them. In the, so it would have to be in the southern sky. So let's go back to the sky, see if Jupiter did that. They've now traveled to Jerusalem. It's November. I've given them some time for travel. This is south. Remember, uh, Bethlehem is due south of Jerusalem. And then 7 in the morning, sure enough, there in the sky, in the southern sky, is Jupiter over the little town of Bethlehem. Now the hard part, though. Can a star stop? How can a star stop? That was a puzzler. Because we all know stars can't stop. I mean, physics and inertia prevent that. So I puzzled all of that hard. I worried about that one until I realized that I had the problem upside down. And I had it backwards. The problem is not that stars can't stop. The problem is that all stars are always stopped. I mean, they move like the hour hand on your watch. You can't see it. You know it's moving, but you can see them move. Well, if the problem is that stars are always stopped, what can Matthew have meant by saying so, the stars stop? Shoot, go back, go back. This is a really good... Um... No! Can a star stop? How can a star stop? That was a puzzler. Because we all know stars can't stop. I mean, physics and inertia prevent that. So I puzzled all of that hard. I worried about that one until I realized that I had the problem upside down. And I had it backwards. The problem is not that stars can't stop. <laughs> the problem is that all stars are always stopped. I mean, they move like the hour hand on your watch. You can't see it. You know it's moving, but you can see it move. Well, okay, so can I see my pointer? Do you know if they can see the cannot. pointer? I could, if you exited it out, I could make it. Okay, so if you're, um, if you're looking to the left of your screen, you're going to see Leo the lion, and he's got his two legs. Well, if the problem is that stars are always stopped, what can Matthew have meant by saying that, that's Virgo the Virgin's coming up behind? A star stopped. And I thought, retrograde motion, because, of course, stars do stop. Planets do in, in their movement through the field of fixed stars. They stop. They even reverse course. 
And that's how I think retrograde motion explains what the star stopping was. So did Jupiter do that? Let's have a look. I'll animate Jupiter and let it drop a tail. And there you see it, sure enough, Jupiter comes to a full stop and reverses course over the little town of Bethlehem. But I want to show you another screen that's more fun because I can throw dates with it. Now what I'm going to do on this one is I'm going to let Jupiter fly through the field of fixed stars and it's going to throw off dates so we can tell when these events are happening. The first one there, I know it's small, I'll read it for you. It says 1030 of 2 BC. Now let's fly Jupiter. You see it moving through the fixed stars. There's, that says 1125 of 2 BC. And it's slowing up. It's going to stop right about here. Reverse course. The date when it stopped over the little town of Bethlehem, 1225 of 2 BC. Does that date sound familiar? Well, Mr. Larson, you mean they, they went down there on Christmas? Well, it turns out that's true. Um, am I saying that Jesus was born on 1225? No, I'm not saying that at all. Absolutely. In fact, I don't think anyone thinks that. No, I, what I'm saying is that that is quite literally, quite possibly the date of the first Christmas. Did it have any meaning to them? No, it had no meaning. The date had no meaning to them because they didn't even use our calendar system. I mean, but it does have meaning to us. It could well be assigned to us. Um, let me give you, give you the chronology now. In September of 3 BC, Jupiter crowns Regulus in Leo. Uprises Virgo, clothed in the sun, new moon birthed at her feet, Rosh Hashanah, Jewish New Year. Nine months later, the biggest planet literally nine goes together with the months. brightest planet to make the brightest star anyone alive had ever seen. Where? Right over Jerusalem as it sets. The Magi ride. They get there uh, sometime around November. They go to Herod and they say, we've seen the star. Where's the baby king? Uh, Herod says, uh, Bethlehem. So they're leaving uh, the gates of Jerusalem to go to Bethlehem, five-mile trek. Uh, and they look up and there's the star. There's Jupiter right over the little town of Bethlehem. One of the guys is the guy who does the math for the group. He's going, wait, 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 wait. It's in full retrograde. It's stopped right over the little town of Bethlehem. They ride down to Bethlehem on 1225, 2 BC. We know that's the date because that's when the star stopped. They're carrying gifts, remember? Frankincense, gold, and myrrh. They find the baby boy. Is he uh, living in a manger? No, 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 no. He's moved. He's in, a, he's in a house now. He's described in Greek as a pideon. He's a toddler. They find the baby boy and they present these fabulous gifts to him on what turns out to be the first Christmas, 1225 of 2 BC. And now I've shared with you the star of Bethlehem, but now I'm going to reveal something to you. It turns out in my studies, I find that the star of Bethlehem is the beginning of what I think of as a celestial poem that ends at Christ's death. And to show you the full poem, I've got to take you to the day of the cross. I'm going to talk to you about Pentecost, but first I kind of have to give you some background so you'll understand. Um, the, Jesus was killed at Passover. The next Jewish holiday is a feast. It's called the Feast of Pentecost. It's called Pentecost because it comes 50 days after Passover, so it's Pentecost. Now, Pentecost is a festival, and people, Jews who could afford to travel came from all the surrounding nations, came back to Jerusalem for this festival, so a lot of out-of-towners in town. Let's do the chronology of, of, of Christ's death. Remember, he dies on Passover, he's buried, he rises again. The Bible says that he then appears to people on earth, stays around for 40 days. So he almost makes it to Pentecost, doesn't he? Then he leaves and he gets instructions and he says, stay here until you receive power from on high. So they do. The disciples stay in one place and they're all gathered together and Pentecost comes and the weirdest things start happening. Something like a sound of rushing wind happens in the room where they are. Something like fire dances over and billows of smoke. Specific meaning, it means a lunar eclipse. Why do they call those blood moons? 
because when the moon goes into eclipse, it goes into Earth's shadow. And so it gets no direct illumination from the sun. Instead, the only light that hits the moon under those conditions is refracted through the Earth's atmosphere. It's red shifted. Same thing, the similar phenomenon makes our sunsets red sometimes. So when the light comes through our atmosphere and it's red shifted, it illuminates the moon, which becomes a dull red. Next clue. It was just before the Passover feast. That's super useful because we know when Passover is. We find from Leviticus, the Lord's Passover begins at twilight in the conclusion. Only April 3 of 33 AD seems to fit all the lines of evidence. This is the day of the cross. Top to bottom, symbolizing ordinary folks having direct access to the Holy of Holies, to God himself. Because Messiah's sacrifice made it possible. They had to get him down off the cross before sundown. They had to do that, because otherwise he would defile the Passover. So they got him down. But the signs didn't stop. When the moon rose that evening, it was a blood moon, a lunar eclipse, which probably scared everybody there to death. <laughs> I mean, I can really honestly think, having lived through all of those events and then seeing the blood moon, being scared spitless. moon rises, it's already an eclipse. It's a blood moon. Now, I don't know what the Roman soldiers said when they saw that, but don't you know they were freaked out? I mean, seriously. After all these events during the day and then the moon comes up and it's a blood moon, they're probably thinking, oh man, wrong side of this one. But there's more, and I want you to see it all. To show you what else there is, I need to take you back to Scripture. Because I want to get some data from Mark. I'm jumping around in the book because all I want is, is the time of day. It was the third hour when they crucified him, Mark tells us, and Mark counts from six, so he's telling us he went, he went on the cross at nine a.m. At the sixth hour, which is noon, darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. Now, nobody wore wristwatches, but Jesus died at about three. Let's go back to the sky. Now, can you see if the moon rises in eclipse, that eclipse has to have begun beneath the horizon? There's already an eclipse? Okay. Well, of course, they couldn't look beneath the horizon, but we can. We have software. So I'm now taking it beneath the horizon. It's 2 p.m. Jesus is on the cross, and he's still alive. When I animate the sky, I don't think you're going to be surprised at what you see. As Jesus expires on the cross, the moon goes into eclipse. But there's more. To show you what else there is, I needed to remind you of the skies of Jesus' birth or perhaps conception. Magnificent imagery of Jupiter crowning Regulus in Leo, uprises Virgo, the Virgin clothed in the sun, new moon, Rosh Hashanah, spectacular. And now we turn to the sky of Christ's death and turn on the constellations. And you see the moon has returned to the foot of Virgo. But now it's a full moon, a life fully lived. Like it started at that tiny little crescent when Jesus was born, remember? I remember. 
the night when I found the eclipse at Christ's crucifixion. I remember it because of what was happening to me. When I found that the moon was back at the foot of the Virgin, and then when I further found that the moon went into eclipse at the moment my Savior expired on the cross. And I remember exactly what I said. I don't think I could ever forget it. I looked up at the sky and I said, my God, what did you do? Because this is poetry of terrible beauty. It showed me a side of God that I'd not seen. It showed me a God that would write poetry to record both the coming and the passing of my, my Messiah. And then he let me find it. So what does this mean? What does this mean? You know, human beings have a characteristic response when they see a sign. They draw near to learn the fuller message. That's what Moses did when he saw the bush that burned that wasn't consumed by the flames. He drew near to learn the fuller message. It's what the Magi did when they saw the symbolism in the sky. They rode for Jerusalem to learn the fuller message. So what does this mean? Well, one thing it means is you can press the scriptures extremely hard and they hold up. But it means more than that. I believe it means Messiah has come. Our Messiah was announced in the sky. It's possible for us to have reconciliation with the perfect God because of Messiah's sacrifice. We just have to accept that. It might mean even more than that. Because if we found the star and a reasonable person could conclude that we have, well, then the star was part of the natural order. The solar system is like a great clock. It's mathematically precise. We know exactly what it looked like thousands of years ago. And if the star was a part of that great clockwork solar system and universe, that means it was a clockwork star. And that, to me, is almost overwhelming because that means that from the very moment that God flung the universe into existence, he had to know exactly when he would enter the human race as a man and when Messiah would expire on the cross because he marched in the stars from before time. This uh, a month ago, we went to go see a movie, mm-hmm. and this movie uh, is a reconfiguration of of this Rick's of Rick's documentary. And I want to bring it up, and I encourage you all if you want to get a Christmas gift for somebody. I know this is a little bit um, a little bit late, but did you know that the uh, 
the Catholics and the like Orthodox Christians celebrate the 12 days of Christmas. So I think you should continue on with the 12 days of Christmas. You know why I like the 12 days of Christmas? Because I'm never really ready for Christmas <laughs> and uh, at Christmas. So I feel like I can continue on after Christmas. So can you go to BethlehemStar.com? You can yes. get the what they've newly remastered the Star DVD, which you can get. Uh, he also came out with the Earthquakes uh, documentary, which we've seen, <clears throat> and it's really good. Uh, so you can check out the Earthquake that he found an Earthquake, here. and it was really good. And then the one that just came out, and this is what I want all of you to go get. God of Heaven and Earth. God of Heaven and Earth. And it's kind of this story that you just saw, but in more vivid detail. It's on the bottom. It's the third one. There's the earthquake one, which is fantastic. It shows uh, you can find the earthquake uh, in historical evidence. Uh, I'm going to make a plug for you guys to go go order this because Rick has actually been attacked. I think he's got like a multiple sclerosis or something as has attacking his body. He put his heart and his soul into these three um documentaries to tell us a story yeah and to tell us god's story so i just want everybody to um encourage him by ordering uh the god of heaven and earth dvd it just came out it's so what it is is it's that documentary remastered with more with information. more information added to it it's and it's even better and we went and saw it in the theaters it was and it really, was really so good. good and again every time he tells a story there's more and more to it but I want to add a little bit more that he adds that's going to mean more to you guys as Revelation Red Pillars. So you guys know that we talk a lot about Daniel mm -hmm. and the 500-year prophecy that Gabriel gives to Daniel to look for the Messiah. Well, the end timers take the, the 500 years and they cut them off. <laughs> and they say, we're in, we are, and this is how, if you ever want to have a real good conversation or kind of a, a, a dis, you know, a disagreement with some of your end timers, ask them about Daniel's, you know, 70 weeks. Okay. Why is it that Daniel would be talking about 70 weeks and he'd be talking about 500 years and then suddenly they're not fulfilled, but they are fulfilled. So, all right, we have come to the conclusion that AD 33 is the date as well that Jesus died. And this is the date that Rick lands on too. April 3rd, 33 AD. Mm -hmm. Centuries before the birth of Christ, a young Jew was taken prisoner. He was abducted from his homeland and all they all he had known. Perhaps along he went along stumbling by okay. It was 605 BC. The tiny state of Judah was overrun by a great army of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. Judah had taken the wrong side in a regional conflict between Egypt and Babylon and paid the price. To ensure its submission as a vassal state, many from Judah's royal and aristocratic families were carried away. So we know that Daniel was carried away. Now, while Daniel is there, he gets a prophecy. It's in Daniel chapter 9. While I was still in prayer, Gabriel, the man I had seen uh, in the earlier vision, came to me in swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. He instructed me and said to me, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. As soon as you began to pray, an answer was given, which I have come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed. Know and understand this from issuing of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, the ruler, comes. There will be seven sevens and sixty-two sevens, and after the sixty-two sevens, the anointed one will be cut off. Now, 
The word Christ means anointed one. For this and other reasons, most commentators conclude that Daniel received a prediction of the Messiah's coming. More than that, Daniel was told the date of Messiah's death, the date he would be cut off. That's the date we seek for our astronomical investigation. So, can the numeric symbolism of Daniel 7 be deciphered? Perhaps it's not terribly complicated. Taking a direct approach, let us assume that sevens are seven years. Gabriel told Daniel that after the decree to rebuild, there will be seven sevens, which is 49, plus 62 sevens, which is 434. After these 483 years, the anointed one would be cut off. If the prophecy is true, this would be the year of the crucifixion. Remember that in ancient times, our modern calendar system was not in use. In other prophetic passages, a year of three, uh, 360 days is used. To convert to our modern system, which uses the longer solar year, we must divide it by the time it takes for the Earth to orbit the sun, which is 365.24 days. This yields 776 years on our calendar. We now have a number of years, but when do we start the countdown? Gabriel said to count from the issuing of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. When was that? The prophet Nehemiah records such a decree, and he dates it as the 20th year of Xerxes. On our calendar, that date is 444 B.C., counting 476 years from 444 B.C., and remembering that there is no year numbered zero in A.D., we discover that Gabriel told Daniel the Messiah would be cut off in 33 A.D. This stunning prophecy made over 500 years before Christ was born is consistent with all other evidence we have seen. So we have increasing confidence that Jesus was crucified on April 3rd, um, uh, uh, 33 A.D. But actually there's more from Peter. Now we leap beyond the crucifixion to a last piece of evidence about the day of the cross. And uh, we go down to the Acts chapter 2 and we read that. Um, the men of Israel listened. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you, signs and wonders uh, and miracles. Peter assists, asserts that Joel's prophecy had been fulfilled and that his listeners know it, uh, that there will be signs in the heavens and um, blood moons, that they had seen the signs themselves. He said, you have seen it. The sun would be turned to darkness. And that's what he was talking about. Now, the Gospels do recount that the sun was darkened on the day of the crucifixion from noon until three in the afternoon. Ancient non-biblical sources confirm this. Uh, Trelanius records in his history, Trelanius Olympiads. In the fourth year of two, the 202nd Olympiad, AD 32 to 33, a failure of the sun took place greater than any previously known. The night came on at the sixth hour of the day, noon, so that stars actually appeared in the sky and a great earthquake took place in Bethina and overthrew a greater part of Nicaea. So this is really important. And you, I, it's just right there. Let's pause because when Rick was showing us the star map and that you see um, Virgo the Virgin come up, it's mm -hmm. during the day mm -hmm. where she's clothed mm -hmm. in the sun. Mm -hmm. But then... You get this eclipse mm -hmm. where it becomes dark mm -hmm. and the stars appear suddenly mm -hmm. and now you actually see Virgo the Virgin because as mm -hmm. he's showing this, you kind of think, well, wait a minute, if it's daytime, does it really matter? Okay, yeah. I guess like to God, God saw it, but then no one's going to see it until, you know, 2,000 years ago and you've got this app, so what does it matter? No, it literally happened so that the people that were there could see the constellations. And and again, to put in one, one of the things that we do very well here, I think, on Revelation Red Pill is to put things in context of the times that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. 
And so in this, to, add a, to, to, to further add the context, please note that everybody there that was watching this happen knew the stars. Yeah. And they knew the constellations. So they're going to be seeing the stars in the skies. And I can guarantee stinking T you mm -hmm. that they're going to be looking and going, oh my gosh, mm -hmm. this is this is this is the story. Mm-hmm. There it's it's all going to start to make sense to them. Yeah. And Mark actually says the sixth hour of darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour, as mentioned earlier, the Gospel of Mark reckons a 24-hour day, Galilean time, uh, beginning at sunrise, traditionally at 6 a.m. Thus, Mark is reporting that the sun was darkened from noon until 3 p.m. Now, going on a little bit, um, uh, this was not an ordinary eclipse, as he describes it as extraordinary. Julius Africanus mentions uh, Flagan's report of the darkness and also a similar report of the darkness uh, by Thaleus, who wrote his history circa 500 to 100 AD. Thaleus, Thales manuscripts have not survived, but Africanus preserves some of his writings by critiquing it. Specifically, Africanus uh, faults Thales for stating that the darkness was the result of a solar eclipse. I'll read it. Uh, go ahead. On the whole world, there pressed a most fearful darkness, and the rocks were rent by an earthquake, and many places in Judea and other districts were thrown down. This darkness... Thallus, in the third book of his history, calls, as appears to me, without reason, an eclipse of the sun. Africanus realized that a solar eclipse cannot occur at the time of the Passover full moon. That uh, The means of the darkening is yet a mystery, although continuing research uh, may yield clues. An obvious candidate explanation is volcanism. Uh, Israel is... Um, a, a shearing subduction zone and the Levant is uh, studded with volcanoes. So it could be that there was some tectonic activity during that. Um, so the celestial deluge to answer the question of the bloody moon uh, fixes the date of the crucifixion with pr precision uh, beyond reasonable doubt. In fact, because a blood moon has a specific meaning in ancient literature, not only the Bible, but it also a lunar eclipse. Why bloody? Because when the moon is in eclipse, it is in the Earth's shadow. It receives no direct light from the sun, but is lit only by the dim light refracted and reddened by the Earth's atmosphere. The moon in eclipse does glow a dull red, as you know if you have seen it. This matters because with Kepler's equations, we can determine exactly when the historical eclipses occurred. And we talked about that. There was one on April 3rd, 33 AD. Uh, the day followed a night of horrors predicted by the prophet Isaiah. In place of sweet sleep for Jesus, there were torch-lit hours of interrogation and mockery, spittle in the face and beatings, barbed lashes tearing flesh from his back and thorns pressed into his scalp. Isaiah wrote that the Messiah would be beaten until marred beyond human likeness, and so Jesus was brutalized during multiple trials and retrials before Annas and, 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 Annas and, Caphi, and um, Caiaphas. Caiaphas, King Herod, and the Roman prefect Pontius Pilate. In the end, his fate was decided by a mob. He was marched to Golgotha, the place of the skull, and crucified. He would die within six hours. The Gospels tell the chronology. Hammers thudded spikes through Jesus and into the cross at 9 a.m. He was raised up. 
at noon and for three hours the sky was darkened. In the temple of Jerusalem, only priests were permitted to enter the presence of God. A thick curtain excluded common men. During the crucifixion, the veil was torn apart, top to bottom, as a shattering earthquake split rocks and broke open tombs. In the darkness and tumult of these signs, even the Roman guards regretted their part in the killing. Jesus died at 3 p.m. He was removed from the cross before nightfall to preserve the sanctity of the impending Passover. But the signs and wonders did not end. When the moon rose that evening, it was blood red. We can imagine the wonder of those who were present through all of this and their increasing dread as the signs kept coming. But there is more which we could not see. Kepler's equations indicate that the moon rose already in the eclipse, already bloody, fulfilling Joel's vision. Necessarily, this means that the eclipse commenced before moonrise. With software, we can look below the horizon to see Earth's shadow beginning to eclipse. Uh, when we do, we find that at 3 p.m., as Jesus was breathing his last on the cross, the, blood, the moon was already going to blood. Mm. The sky at Christ's birth can be viewed as a kind of visual poetry. So, what does all this mean? This means, in my opinion, that he is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Isaiah 53, 6. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to his own way. The Lord has laid upon him, Messiah, the iniquity of, it all, of us all. Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The fuller message of the star is good news. The Christ, the Messiah, has come. The Messiah has paid the penalties for our sins. It is possible to have a relationship with God that so many desire. There have probably been times when you thought about God and the possibility of knowing him. That is true for many of us. Um... And we have the, 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 the book of Revelation. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. The clock, a clockwork star. But the star means yet more. Jesus said in the book of Matthew chapter 10, even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So, and then Rick will walk you through or anyone through the essentials of the Christian faith. I hope that this has encouraged you as, as much as it has encouraged me. And I hope it encourages you to, um, we're going to, um, there's a book and I'm going to get it and I have it coming. It's by Kenneth Dunn and it's, it's a star book that is, that the, um, app is based on. And Michelle, maybe you could bring up, uh, sure. the, the Holy, uh, Holy Stars mm -hmm. app. And it's, I don't think it's up yet because I haven't gotten a text notification. Um, Godstarsapp.com. Yeah. God's uh, word written in the stars. And if you wouldn't mind, I believe we can play it. Um, this is a short film, uh, Jesus the Messiah is Born, from Brighteon Films. And Brighteon has films now. I think this is longer than you think. Oh, really? It's oh, it is. Minutes. Okay, never mind. Don't play that one. Go watch, go watch The Messiah is Born. Um, there was the two-minute clip, but it's going to play tomorrow. You're going to play that tomorrow? tomorrow? Night, yeah. We okay. don't need to give everything away tonight. I know, right? So God's word written in the stars, the redemptive plan visible for all, and you can see there's a good picture. Virgo the Virgin right there with Leo the Lion by Kenneth Dunn. We're going to try to get him on our show. Uh, he's got a great book. Um, I just ordered it, and it's God's redemptive plan visible to all in the stars. And I think that we all, I want you guys to, to, to get this book. And just start taking walks at night with your family and identify the stars as you go throughout the seasons and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you about what season you are in That's at good. the time. Uh, right now, we are in the season of Orion, the hunter. Um, 
and Christine Vales does a really good job of explaining uh, the Jewish calendar and what seasons we are in. So go check that out. We're actually in a season of repentance. Let's do it. And, you know, um, mom played a clip, an awesome clip, by the way, of um, Christine Vales. And then she said, you know, she just talked about everything that you guys are talking about where Everything inside of us is being burned away that's mm. not of God at this moment and in this time. And we are finding ourselves on the brink of greatness, but God has to cleanse us to get us there. And, you know, um, we are in a, in a moment. I want you, I encourage you guys to um, watch the show that we did with Scott last night. Oh, yeah, it was so good. Absolutely. You, you want me to say anything else about it? I'm just going to maybe give him, tell him what it was about. Oh, well, it's first of all, you started out because you had a word mm -hmm. about the Leviathan in the church and just working with the young ladies mm -hmm. um, uh, from Bards Fest and now Neil's niece. And mm -hmm. they're getting this this message. And this is a message that we've been talking about, but they're actually getting it through the word of God. Yeah. Like not what I mean by that is through prophecy. Yeah. And yeah. that's fascinating to me because these girls don't know anything about really the church that we, like we know because we've mm -hmm. been in it for our whole lives. Mm -hmm. And they're seeing this Leviathan spirit just kind of choking out the church and they're mm -hmm. willing and ready to go pray against it, mm -hmm. which is phenomenal. And then Leah gave a word um, to go along with that, which can you sum it up for them or you just want them to tune in tomorrow? Or um, tune in tune in and watch it. Tune in and, and watch it, yeah. And then we kind of went into, you know, and it really, it all ties into family. Mm -hmm. What God did with it with the virgin birth, that's God's family. We see mm -hmm. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And mm -hmm. God, you know, going back to the garden, Adam and Eve and and children and blessing. And we were we played a clip last night. I know it was kind of echoey. You can go watch the edited version. Thank you, Patriot Gallery, for putting it up without it without the echo. Um, of Charlie Kirk, uh, Seamus, uh, one of the Tim Pool's guys, Tim Pool guy, Tim Pool's guys, Tim Pool himself, Ducker. And they're now giving the message mm -hmm. that Leah and Scott and I mm -hmm. are giving. And that is stop stopping up life. Mm -hmm. Stop destroying the family. That we turned that particular act into playtime when it was really um, God's most creative act. And I'm going to let you guys in on a, another secret um, because we don't, we don't keep secrets around here. Not, it's not helpful. Um, what this message I realized is doing, and I want you guys to see something with me because um, this is a vision I've been asking God to show me. I have a discerning of spirits. Yeah. Lord, show me the discerning of spirits. Help me to discern my voice, the devil's voice, and God's voice because we are constantly uh, living. We are on the first, we're in the first heavens. We're here. That's called earth. Earth. But the second heavens is where angels and demons are. Spirits are roaming around all the time and you're bumping into them and you're feeling them and yeah. you don't understand. Um, I don't like the word frequency. So if you could come up with some other kind of energy, I'm just going to say energy. They have an energy about them. They're spirits. It's but a they're, force. They're, I just a, like the word force because it's, it's, it's a power force. Yeah, they have a force. They have a force about them. They have an energy about them. And when you're feeling a negative energy, you're probably feeling an evil entity. Mm -hmm. Okay? Um, and so you've got to learn to recognize these evil entities. But then once you've recognized them, 
often you're going to get stuck in something because I'm telling you something. The enemy comes to entrap you. It's like sticky tape. Have you ever seen? I bought this sticky tape for mice and rats. Oh, oh my gosh. It's I hate that you buy that though. Well, like it's the it was worst an emergency, way to die. But I do have the bucket. Could you imagine die, dying no. being stuck? To a, something the size Michelle, of your whole body. Could you? We like don't want to imagine now that. Now your hair is stuck Michelle, to it, and you can't get up. Michelle, we don't. We don't want people. I don't to imagine like death. The, I don't like mice dying that way. I I think dead. I'm okay with that. I haven't this been able suffering to trap of like them. this mouse just can't get up. I haven't. I I put twenty mouse traps upstairs and I didn't catch them. I know. So I had to do something else. I'm sorry. Um, Let me read this comment. Out. This is really good. Um, Faith Gal says, watch that show with Scott. I was listening and baking. LOL. It's a word we need for right now. So once you guys, thank you so much, by the way, I want you guys to see something with me. Um, if you're just going about your day, you're Why'd probably. Why'd you bring up the mice traps? Um, the devil tries to get you trapped. Yeah, he does. So that's how you don't want to How do get you get stuck. out of the devil's sticky trap? That's what I want to tell you in a minute. I'm going to tell you. I don't think you can get out of a devil's sticky trap. You can only get out of a dev devil's mouse trap that's got you pinned. If you got in the devil's sticky trap, you're just going to hell. Michelle. What? Can't uh, get out of those. I think that the devil often gets us trapped. And guess what? The only one that can deliver you is Jesus. Devonese. Hi, Devonese. Pastor Devonese says that I did that sticky thing once and will never do it again. I cried and cried afterwards. Huh. Okay, well, maybe you should cry some tears. We need to cry some tears for yourself because you don't recognize that a lot. Um, oftentimes, when you are in a uh, in a state where you're arguing or you're upset at something, you're in a sticky trap. And why? How do you know you're in a sticky trap? Because you can't get out. Faith Gal says it works well, though it's sad but effective. Okay, I love that we're still stuck on the sticky traps. You now, if we can, it, and it is. The devil is effective, and I want you guys to transfer that to a time when you have been stuck in your mind and you can't get out. I know it. When you don't see any way out. Right. You've cried for help, and you're yes. stuck. Let me tell you something. You're stuck by a lie of the mm -hmm. devil. Okay? And I'm going to give you an example. Michelle has been working on very hard on changing over our system, XSplit, and thank you, Jesus, we have not dropped you guys tonight. Thanks but so she's hard. been working for hours with Mr. Scott Kesterson, so you can thank him for his um, help to try to switch us over to what Brideon uses. And she had it all together, and we had two mics, and Mr. Kesterson had sent us a mic, a very expensive mic. So $500! Okay, bring it down, sister. Okay, the mic's working. It's picking up. They heard. They can hear. Well, I'm not using okay. the $500 not, mic right he's now. not right now. So, and, and some, and some fancy earbuds and, uh, you know, Matt's been wanting to come in and, and pop in on some of our shows. So, and we don't have a lot of here uh, room on our studio. And so, uh, what happened is today, Michelle was getting ready to go live on the new system, uh, that we have with the V mix that Brideon uses. And we were getting a feedback. We we're getting, um, an echo. And it turns out that that is something in, in this particular software. Michelle was so excited because she's been working for days. And she's and if you don't get our – some of you are going to get Christmas cards probably in February. Um, <laughs> because Michelle normally likes to sit down. We're just going to call it a 2023 year in review. She's been so Letter. excited to, to, to sit down and peacefully write. She loves to write a Christmas card. Michelle, if you guys don't know, Michelle is actually a very prolific writer. She's a great storyteller. Uh, she tells amazing stories and, and she's really good at that and she loves to do it. So she um she had she had written about four pages worth, 
And then realized, and um, then realized I can't mail four pages. So I scrapped it all and decided we're just doing bullet points. And why though? Because last year was, huge. was so big. Yeah, there was a lot going on. So she was gonna write. She it was loves gonna be to write really good. A Christmas. I probably letter. should. I do. I erased it all. It wasn't four pages long. I hadn't gotten to four pages. Why did you erase it? Because it's probably I, good. I probably should have just posted it as a blog. Yeah. Like I should. I should have put like outline of Christmas letter and then put like a link. Read full Christmas letter here. I can't believe you deleted it. Okay. Well, that's fine. Anyways, so there are a lot of different things that Michelle has wanted to do. Another one of those things that she's been working wants to do is to create a flyer for the revival that we're oh gonna have gosh. in Indiana on January thirteenth. Can, can y'all just do me a favor? I mean this like very, very sincerely. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm going to make that flyer hopefully tomorrow on top of my big giant list of things to do. Okay. Okay, pumpkin. Um, but until that flyer gets made and assuming it may not, it, it, it's going to get made tomorrow. In, in addition to me editing our, edit, our thing from Bob and we're going to be premiering that tomorrow at nine o'clock. In addition to getting the audio stuff fixed here too. So, um, Please, if you can and you feel so led to come and attend this revival, mm -hmm. I can tell you where it's at and I can tell you the day. Any other details, you're going to have to wait. Well, I can tell you where to stay. And Leah can tell you where to stay, but I mean, you wait until it's posted. Mm -hmm. I'm going to make a post and we're going to make a post on the website and it's going to be in the, um, on our show and event calendar on resistancechicks.com. Can you type this in the chat real quick? 302 West Plum Street, Oxford, Indiana, 47971. And if you want to come, that's going to be January 13th. And it's going to be, I guess, around 7, but it's going to go all night. So come come early and you'll be fine. And then West Lafayette, uh, the Quality Inn at West Lafayette is about 20 miles away if you want to stay overnight. Um, it's, he tells me, Tag tells me that it's got a, it, this little town has a, a claim to fame. There is a horse, uh, Dan Patch, Dan Patch, this horse is, um, goes down in history and they've got a little Dan Patch cafe. It's January there. 13th, this, this coming January 13th. So we're going to be having a revival there. It's just resistance chicks. It's just, so, re so, and what, what happened is Tag and his wife, Becky, Becky um, they were at Bard's Fest. Yeah. And, you know, when it comes to the, the kids, it, we had a phenomenal day. We of did. Praise. We were supposed to do more with the kids. We, we will. Were. We will next time, I promise. But we had one um, day with the kids. And Vivian, their daughter, gets filled with the Holy Ghost. Just vicariously hanging out. Well, no, I prayed with her. Oh, I thought she got filled no, with, she got filled I thought with the Holy she Ghost. started speaking in tongues with, right after. No, we, we, we prayed for her. Oh, yeah, I with Katie, the, I with thought, both of them. I thought Katie was just getting full of logos and Vivian just started speaking in tongues. I could be getting the story I wrong. I think that's what you told okay. me because you're like, All little right. Vivian just started speaking in tongues. So anyway, so then here comes Tag. Here comes Becky with the kids. We start praying and prophesying over them. They get filled with the Holy Ghost. It's phenomenal. And now they have invited us to come because they've got a little home group that they do. It's a little, little Bible study. They said, would you come and, 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 and do revival with our, our home group? And we were like, let's go. So then they're like, well, invite everybody. So let's go. So they, they are going to have a popcorn machine. I mean, it's a really cool space. Mm -hmm. So we want you guys to come. And if you've been wanting a touch from God, you couldn't make it to Bard's Fest. You couldn't make it to the Night of Freedom. And you're just like, I just want somebody to pray for me. I want a, I want a touch from God. Okay. I'm. Don't get mad at me for saying this. 
if you have people, if you have friends that have issues, maybe they need healing. Maybe you feel like they have demons. Bring them. Mm. Bring them. We're gonna, we are going to be bringing the power of God to that night. Um, Pastor Devin East, if you would like to come, we would love to have we, you. You have been invited. Tag You've been invited like, by Tag. Bring like, Devin bring, East. He was like, bring Scott, bring the Cantrells. He was like, bring everybody. And I was like, well, we could fly them in, but that's a lot of kids. Yeah. That would be kind of an expensive I think thing. that when you're, when you're that hungry for, for a move of God, I'm telling you, God is going to show up. Could in be a offended. Does that mean Lee and Michelle aren't enough when you invite Well, I can tell you people. that when you're going to war, you're asking for them to bring everybody else as well. All of your, you got any more um, allies? <laughs> bring them all. Bring them all. I think it's fantastic. They've been really looking forward to this. Um, so we've been looking forward to it, but we haven't had time to put a flyer together for you it's guys. It's a Saturday. So if you guys can come. Faith Gal says, always with y'all in spirit, but can't wait to get to something soon. Boot camp is looking good, though. Speaking of boot camp, don't forget you guys can come and join us at Old School Survival Boot Camp this in coming May. year in May. That's yeah. oldschoolsurvivalbootcamp.com. Mm -hmm. And you can use, I, we have a promo code yet? Um, I think we do. But I don't know, I don't what, know it is. what it is. I need to get it posted. So hang on, wait, wait until I figure out what the promo code is. Mm hmm. All right, you guys. I do think we, is are, that do we have a song you're supposed to I'm sing? I'm sure or we should sing more Christmas songs, it's like Christmas. I said that the other day, and you didn't. You were like, "Meh." We got a little time. We, we do. Uh, we're not at three hours yet, and we started late. Uh huh. So, so we're good. You want me to get your yeah, guitar? Yeah, if you wouldn't mind. Does anybody have a a, a recommendation? I think we've got. Um, I think the Christmas songs Request. are upstairs. Um, if you want to get some of those Christmas songs that okay, I've got you're need already. Printed out and already in the right key. Um, so yeah, I hope you guys like this uh, episode. Um, and uh, show um, your video of music in the park. Yeah, sure, mom. Let me see if I can find that. So last night uh, in uh, in um, Xenia, Ohio, we um, went to go see. So, uh, we, we were coming back from getting our teeth cleaned. From and, where? From Isaiah 41. Our new dentist. Our new dentist. And we were driving through Xenia, and we happened to see, thank you, um, these this this kind of light-up show. And, uh, and, and it was amazing. It was beautiful. And what we didn't know was that it was one of those light-up shows Thanks, Michelle, that you, um, you that have music to. I was going to play this. Mom wanted me to show oh, them okay. this. And so if you're, in, if you're anywhere near Oxford, Ohio, you can go check this out. And you go and you park and you watch these lights. It's so cool. I screen shared, but I didn't screen share to the right screen. You shrunk it. No, I, I did this. Hang right. on. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Let nope. me have it. Let me have it. Let Don't touch. Release. That's the one I want. This is the wrong screen. That's right. We'll just copy oh, it. Okay. You got to put it where we where we were. Oh, I didn't know there it's up there. It's it always there's always shrunk it. There's always so. Okay. Okay. I thought there was but it wasn't. <laughs> okay, there we go. Just want to play. Mom wants to just play a little bit. This is kind of cool. This is really cool actually. We literally just randomly stopped. Does that volume? Click the volume. Look, click one more
she just no. Well, she, she wanted, wanted us to play to tell, it. Oh, you want us to play it? Yeah. So we can try, but Facebook might. Will it flag the whole video? I have no idea. Well, you can just let try. Let me see if I can, me to send Mom, it to you. I, well, let me see if she put it in the chat. Mom, did you put it in the chat? It's, it's at the, like the top of the. I don't know how far up this chat goes. I don't think they they let you go all the. Oh, I did. Okay, it does. So I think Diamond and Silk shared this one. That's where she got it from. Okay, cool. So we're on True Social. We don't go there much. Oh, I love this one. Make it big. How do I make it
Thank you, Mom. So every dress you took was hallelujah. Absolutely. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, is there a cable down here? We don't need this, right? Oh, no. There probably is not, but we can I can go find one. You think there'd be one mm -hmm. in your guitar thing? Yeah, I don't think so. We can skip that one. And try this one. That one. Would it be all the way upstairs? Um. We usually keep one down here. And no, we're good. We'll just do the other one. And you can bring up the words if you want. I only have two verses of Heart the Eight or Carol Angel Sing if you want to bring up a third verse. <laughs> okay. Man with 
the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness, light and life to all He brings. With healing in His wings, mild He lays His glory by. Born that men no more may die. Born to raise us from the earth. Born to give a second birth. I was trying to switch so that I could share the lyrics with them, and then I lost it in my head. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. Oh, Holy Night. Oh, Holy Night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and his soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices for Next one. Truly, we'll truly, let's do. Okay. Truly, he taught us to love one another. His law is love, and his gospel is peace. Chains shall he break, for the slave is our brother, and in his name all oppression shall cease. Chorus raise, we let all within us praise his holy name. Christ is the Lord. Oh, praise his name forever. His power and glory evermore proclaim. people sung more and their ranges were mm. broader. <laughs> 
Yeah. That's my conclusion for Christmas songs. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I get you. I think, I think people had a broader range when these were written. You, just, does, that, does that mean you can't sing? Uh, oh boy, here we go. <laughs> this is Michelle's song. <clears throat> Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Mary, did you know? That your baby boy would save our sons and daughters. Did you know, Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? This child that you delivered will soon deliver you. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would give sight to a blind man? Mary, did you know that your baby boy will calm the storm with his hand? Did you know that your baby boy has walked where angels trod? When you kiss your little baby, you kiss the face of God. Mary, did you know? put you on the spot for that one you did and my voice is raw I know. already from I'm today sorry. it's I'm all sorry. right we tried i'm so sorry james you're too kind and james does radio so mm -hmm. that's very generous mm. james right. says awesome michelle 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 sings the song perfectly but you just it's a hard thing when you do a lot of talking and it's like here mm -hmm. but usually you can do it in the past Thank you. It was, she really is good at it. And it's fun to listen to. Where are we going next? Three, three kings. <clears throat> we 
faster. Bearing gifts, we travel so far, field and fountain bowl, and mountain following yonder star. Oh, star of wonder, star of night, star with royal beauty bright, westward leading, still proceeding, guide us to thy perfect who's been watching tonight. Yes. I just pray that you bless Lord. them with a, a special Christmas prayer. Those who may be alone tonight, I just pray that you give them power and love and you just fill them with your, your joy over this Christmas season. And I just pray, Father God, that what the enemy might have planned for this nation or for anybody watching right now, they will just feel your power and feel your love. Go ahead, Michelle. Yes. God, I just thank you so much for this holiday season where we get to celebrate the birth of Christ, where we get to celebrate his coming kingdom, and that we are to expand that kingdom and to subdue the earth, to spread the gospel, to spread the good news, and the gospel of what? Not just salvation, but the gospel of the kingdom, which says we reign as kings and priests, and we kick down and we pull down and we kick out rulers and principalities in high places. 
So Lord God, for this Christmas, if there's one thing that any of us that are part of the Revelation Red Pill family would ask of you, Father God, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I thank you that you're giving everybody this day their daily bread. You're forgiving us of our trespasses as we forgive those who sin against us. Father God, we ask you not to lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, both now and forever. Amen. So bless these families. If anybody's alone on Christmas, Father God, I pray that you give them somebody, but you enter into their lives in a very powerful way. If they don't have something, Father God, I pray that you provide it. And above all else, Father God, my personal request for everybody that listens to this message, I pray that you send them someone to minister your gospel to because there is no gift, there is no high, there is nothing in this entire world that matches or compares with introducing someone to you, with getting them filled with your Holy Spirit. So I just pray, Father God, that everybody that's listening, you will give them that opportunity this Christmas season to lead somebody to you, to help fill their lives, to lay hands on the sick, to see them recover the greater works, Lord God. We ask those to descend on everybody listening right now, that they will be able to lay hands on the sick. They will see them recover. They will give sight to the blind, not just spiritually, but physically, that they will cast out devils. They will speak in other tongues. They will give gifts of, of your Holy Spirit to other people. They will get wisdom and knowledge, words of prophecy. We're entering into a year, Father God, that is going to rock the world. And I thank you for it. I thank you as we enter into 2024 that you're preparing us, that you're cleansing us. Father God, we ask to be taken through your refiner's fire. Burn up everything that is not of you. And we are ready and we submit wholly to that fire of the Holy Spirit. We thank you that we're going to come out on the other side gold, purified. God is to thy perfect light. We give you all glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God is to thy perfect light. You sing with me. God is to thy perfect light. 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 Guide us to thy perfect life. Guide us to thy perfect life. Hold on. When we have lost our way. When we have lost our way. And we don't know which way to go. And we don't know which way to go. Guide us to thy perfect life. Oh, I will sing. I will sing your refrain. God is to thy perfect light. There you go. Go again. I got it. And when we feel lost and alone. And when we feel lost. No, you're supposed to still guide us to the perfect. Yeah, there you go. Guide us to thy perfect light. 
looks like we might lose our house. Guide us to thy perfect light. And when we feel sick and afraid, guide us to thy perfect light. And when we can't hear your voice, guide us to thy perfect light. 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 When I am all alone, guide me to your perfect light. When I have no place to call a home, guide me to your perfect light. When I have no love on to home, guide me to your perfect light. When my children have lost the phone, guide them to your perfect light. When my husband has lost his way, guide him to thy perfect light. When I don't have the right words to say, guide me to your perfect light. When my bank account seems empty, <laughs> guide it to your perfect light. When I don't have the right things to eat, guide me to thy perfect light. When I don't have money for presents under the tree, guide me to your perfect light. Guide me to thy perfect light. Irish.
Somebody out there, I'm just seeing somebody, maybe I'm just thinking some, some Irish people right now, but Laura's saying to sing an Irish jig. I don't know what that is, but what I know what an Irish jig is. Go to the sea shanty and slay Those waves are coming, you see, the waves never stop. They only stand still for a moment. Cause the storm is coming and you're bringing the storm and you're dancing the storm tonight. Cause you're asking for the storm and I'm gonna bring more and I'm gonna cause the waves to crash. As the graves crash around you, you'll hear that sound surrounding, surrounding you. I hear your cry, I hear your ocean cry. You see, your cry is like the ocean to me. You see, the voice of God is like many waters. The voice of God is like many waters. So when your tears are crying, I'm hearing many waters. So cry that deep cry, 
because what it does is it brings justice and holiness and righteousness in it. Justice heals. Justice seals. Justice makes wrongs right. Justice seals. Justice heals. Justice makes things right. Justice heals. Justice seals. Justice makes things right. God says there's no place where anybody's going to be able to hide don't from hide, the, the storm that is coming. No, we all can't hide. And for those there who no are listening to my voice, from this storm. you don't need no to hide from this storm because the storm is going to descend and rain there down no treasures that you have stored in, in heaven. I'm dancing in the rain. But to those who are unprepared, it is like an acid rain. And it's going to melt away. Everything that is false and everything that is fake is going to melt into nothing. And there are people out there that are fake. And they will melt. They have built their lives. They built their bodies on things that are not of God. The food is not of God. Their medicines are not of God. Their finances are not of God. There are plastic people walking around and they will not last. God says get ready in 2024 because it's going to come in waves. We talked about the 12 different signs in the the sky. God says watch my signs as every month 
flips over and every new constellation comes. Watch, because I'm going to send a new wave that will be undeniable that this is my hand. You will be able to watch it like a clock this year, every month. He says, I want you to, to, to write it down because it's not just going to happen on your, in your life, but it will happen in your life. It's not just going to happen in your community, but it will happen in your community. It's not going to just happen in your city, but it will happen in your city. It's not just going to happen in your state, but it will happen in your state. And it's not just going to happen in your country, but it will happen in your country. It is going to be global on multiple levels, layer upon layer, line upon line. God says, I'm going through like a computer and I'm systematically cleaning and some things I'm completely getting rid of. Systems that I have allowed you to operate in as the body of Christ, that you know how to use, I'm completely getting rid of. You're going to learn something brand new. Behold, I do a new thing. bring it before me. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. I'm doing a new thing. I'm doing a new thing. Melt away the fake. Melt away the fake. build it. Anything that's not each 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 thing that comes is going to come, and you will be given a a, a gift that is equal to the destruction. And by the time these next twelve months are done, you will have been equipped with a brand new arsenal to expand the kingdom of God, not only in your life but around the world. The body of Christ is rising. Like Leah said earlier today, we don't have time. We are pulling people. You are now in the fight. Battlefield commissions. As best as you possibly can, put on that breastplate of righteousness. You may not have the proper full belt of truth. You may not even have the shoes of the gospel of peace. And you're running out there and God's giving you a shield of faith and a helmet of salvation and a breastplate of righteousness. And ask God, give me the sword of the spirit. Ask God to download in you his word. Get in your word. God says, I am going to give an exponential grace to those who start getting in their word and reading it right now. And I'm going to make it so that you have, it, it's as if you had been reading your Bible for 20 years. Yes, Lord. Yes, But you Lord. have to start by opening it. I won't, God says, I will open not dispense this gift to anybody to that won't open up the word. In you, you have to open up the word. And then I will give you the grace. So, um, many of you don't know that uh, my mom has green eyes. And I, I wouldn't normally do this, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let everybody know that the green eyes that I saw were my mom's green eyes, and I saw her two eyes on this shore. She's Irish, and she's Irish. She's part Irish, and she was looking out on the shore, and she was dancing, asking God to bring the storm, because she, and and I saw her, I saw her standing there on that shore as the dark clouds rolled in, and she was just smiling. And as that first drop of rain hit and she standed in that, she stood in that rain and she knew that the storm, she would be fine. But the storm is coming over her island. And I don't know what this means, but this Irish island is an island, island, seeing the, the judgment and the cleansing of our Savior today. Oh, we're Irish 
Lord says the Irish have been calling on me. There's a remnant of victory on Ireland, in Ireland tonight. Oh, there's a remnant, darling, in Ireland. There's a remnant in Ireland. There's a remnant in Ireland tonight. And they've been praying for a miracle to get their country back that they would serve Jesus with all their hearts. Because there's a bunch of Irish Catholics and Irish Protestants and they've been fighting for years and the Lord says you're gonna, you're gonna put down your sword and there's gonna be a new denomination in Ireland. Faith, it's gonna be one. Faith Gal says, PG, green eyes and Irish, me too. I've stood on shore of storms and blew my shofar. Patriot Gallery says, Amos 11, 8, 11, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor of thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. Wow, that's powerful. There's more coming. Oh, I wish I were Ireland. Tonight, what does Ireland mean? Can you look that up? The meaning of Ireland? I wish I were Ireland. Irish eyes are smiling and there's a remnant calling on God. And we're pulling these two denominations together tonight. Land of abundance and fertile land. Land of abundance and fertile land. Land of abundance and fertile land. We're all Ireland tonight. We are a land of abundance, a fertile land, the land of a burn. Let's take his hand and walk and dance, dance with the king. The Lord says to form a chain. And I see a lot of you with flowers on your hair and skirts on, and we are dancing together. Because the sun is the sun behind the clouds. The sun is the sun behind the clouds. And after the storm, the sun will shine. And I see the sun coming behind the clouds. I see you, Jesus, behind the clouds. I see you, Jesus, coming behind the clouds. So I see a bright white, and I see Jesus. And I, I haven't really seen this before, but here we go. I just see him coming, and I hope you all can see it. I see Jesus coming out from behind the clouds. He is the sun behind the clouds. Oh, I am the sun behind the clouds. So wipe away your tears and make things right. I am the sun, I am the sun behind the clouds. You feel lost in the crowds, but you're not alone. You're lost in the crowds, but you're not alone. Touch the hem of my garment tonight. You're not lost in the crowds. And many of you felt like you were the woman with the issue of blood. And if you could just touch the hem of this garment, the Lord says, I am here. And we have entered a place where if you just touch the hem of his garment, you're gonna be healed tonight. There's a, a, an open door for healing because Jesus is here tonight. With Irish eyes are smiling, and healing is alive in you. That healing is alive in you. There's something about green, that, that color of green. The seen is unseen, and the unseen is seen. These green eyes are seeing into the future. I see just two pairs of green eyes, and they're seeing, and they're seeing, and they're seeing into the spirit realm. And they're calling for things. And so we stand with these green eyes, these Irish eyes, and we say this land of abundance is ours. This land of abundance is ours. This land of abundance, this land of abundance is ours tonight. Irish eyes, Irish eyes. 
So <clears throat> the name Ireland is actually a, a, a goddess, but Ireland was called Hibernia. It's the Latin word. Uh, the Romans called Ireland Hibernia because of the Latin word Hibernia, which means land of winter or winter land. A cold and distant land. Which is all of the other places that I found the definition of Ireland is a Ire, E-I-R-E, a goddess. It's mythology. I can't find anything else. The land of eternal winter. But we know that the sun is coming and shining on your Ireland tonight. Many of you feel like you've had an eternal winter. The Lord says, I'm calling on the storm to come. And that storm is going to come and it's going to, it's not a, it's not a cold storm. This is a warm storm of rain. Patriot Nana suggests that your mom's stake on the shore of Ireland is a birthright. That's good. Devaney says, new systems, dismantling of what that we originally came in agreement with, we go back to the top. The end of the rest of Amos there, Patriot Gallery has put in the chat here. shall wander from sea to sea and from north even to the east they shall run to and fro to seek the word of the lord and shall not find it in that day shall the fair virgins and young men faint for thirst they that swear by the sin of samaria and say thy god o dan liveth and the manner of beersheba and they that swear by oh uh, swear by the samaria and say beersheba liveth even they shall fall and never rise up again calling for the destruction of these systems to fall and never rise again. Rise up from the sea, from the ashes, from the volcanic ashes tonight. New system based upon the gospel, new systems based upon the gospel tonight. Based upon the word of God, the foundation of eternity. Systems of government based upon the shoulders of the king. We're claiming all these lands, all these islands for the king. We're claiming all these lands for the islands of the king. So your Irish islands tonight are coming to Jesus. Amen. There's going to be missionaries that are going to rise up and be sent to Ireland tonight. Because God is claiming and God is highlighting Ireland tonight, and He is saving and He's saving it, and He's going to turn off the the the, the this this uh, this woke agenda that's trying to take over these um, this mass move of migration that is just sent to destroy the Christian heritage. And I thank you, Father God, that anybody who's not supposed to be there, it goes home, and if people are supposed to be there, that they come to know Jesus. And everybody there, there's a peace. I call for peace over Ireland right now and love and joy based upon the gospel of Jesus Christ and people turning their lives over to him. And I pray for great revival to just uh, just, to, just to start up. I pray for these Irish men and women with, with their green and blue eyes and, and even brown eyes and their red hair and their blonde hair and their brown hair. And they're just all these beautiful, wonderful people. And I thank you, Father God, that they're all coming to know you. And I thank you, Father God, even for the transplants that are in Ireland right now. I thank you, Father God, that they're all coming to know you and you're reclaiming this land. Claim 
claiming this land. I'm claiming this land. I'm claiming this land. I'm claiming this land. Oh, I'm claiming this land. I'm claiming, I'm claiming this land. See, this is how we do things in the third heavens. The Lord says, I need to claim Ireland, and so we just claim it. And that's what the Lord is saying, and what he's going to do is in the second heavens, he's going to send people into government. He's going to send people into missionaries. He's going to send um, governors. He's going to send uh, missionaries and pastors right now and priests. A revival in the Irish priest. A revival in the Irish priest. Tongue-talking, spirit-filled, uh, moving in the gifts of the spirit priests are going to rise up right now in Jesus. There's going to be all kinds of baptisms that come. They're going to come from the Protestants. They're going to come from the Catholics all over Ireland. Everybody's coming to know Jesus because the Lord says Irish eyes are smiling tonight. Amen. Um, he says, Ireland is mine. Ireland is mine. I just thank you, Father God, that you've highlighted this to us tonight. And I thank you, Father God. And we just seal these words up. And the Lord says, next time it will be you. You who are saying, what about me? What about my heritage? What about my ancestors? Where am I from? The Lord says, don't worry. That the resistance chicks in this team, we are a heavenly moving team. And, and I have assembled a team to pray in the spirit realm for all nations. And we are going to start highlighting different nations. The Holy Spirit is going to highlight different nations at different times. And many of you are going to be praying for your nations. And at different times, we're going to just start busting out in exemplatory prayer for your nation that's on your heart. So don't stop praying. God has nations, I know, on your heart. And in this Christmas season, he's bringing all nations lined up in him, just like you know, the Bethlehem star. John says, an heir to the land. Heir. I-R-E. Land. Heir. Heir land. An heir to the land. That's good, John. John's texting his comments. I'm an heir. I'm an heir. That's good, John. Heir land. I'm an heir to land, oh show us where we are heir to land, land and sky and sea, they all belong to me, land and sky and sea, the Lord says they all belong to me. And when we call upon him and we serve him, then he will distribute all the land and sky and sea to who he sees fit. So we just ask you, Father God, that we would be in a place to receive your, your inheritance and that you would rise up your children to receive their inheritance tonight. And if there are people who are holding on to deeds that aren't theirs, they just hand them Amen. over with the key and everything Amen. and say, this land, with I just see people getting land in Ireland. Just Somebody is getting a lot of land, and all these people are going to get land, and you're going to keep sheep and, and goats and, and cattle and, and dogs, and you're going to do your thing in Ireland. And the Lord says, I'm going to show you how to be farmers. <laughs> In Jesus' name. And I could just keep going on and on because we're in a realm. And when you get into that realm, you don't want to leave because it takes a lot to get there. <laughs> um, but we went there tonight. And we went there because we focused on Jesus and we focused on the sky. Because the Lord says in this hour and in this time, those who see my signs in the sky will go beyond the sky into the third heavens. So I need you guys to be looking to the signs in the sky. And that solar eclipse that's going to happen this year in April is very significant. So get your booties to a place of totality because you're going to want to see that, that, that full solar eclipse. And I pray, Father God, for everybody watching tonight that this year as this happens, you guys, I want you to get excited. Because the storm comes, but you are going to dance in the rain. And I want you to want it to come. And when you watch all these systems come down around you, these systems were not built by God. They were built by robots and, and, and aliens. 
And what I mean by aliens is, did you know that demons aren't supposed to be here? They are consigned to a different realm. The aliens are, um, that the demons are aliens to this planet. God doesn't want them here. Okay. They have to live in a different realm. But when humans um, allow the enemies, to, uh, the, the, the Satan to live inside of them, then, they, they, then that's what aliens are. And so they're alien and they shouldn't be here. So we curse and bind these demonic spirits and in, in all these humans. And we say, go back to the realm where God has consigned you to be. You must go to where the, the realm where God has consigned you to be. And so that, so that the children of God will live free, dwelling with angels and the spirit of God. That's where we realm. That's, that's our realm. That's where we're supposed to dwell. And I thank you for it. The Lord says, I want you guys to say, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. Peace is washing over you. Your mind, your will, and your emotions are being consigned to Jesus. Many of you, like even myself, have had emotions that take over you. We repent, Father God, and we say, it is well with my soul. My mind, my will, and my emotions belong to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I will only listen to him and my, my emotions. And that realm is consigned to the heavenly realm. And I will listen to him. And I, Father God, I ask you and we commit our minds, our wills, and our emotions to you tonight. And we thank you, Father God. And we just ask you just to bless everybody watching in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, you guys. I hope you have enjoyed this show. It's more than just a show. It's a gathering. It's a church. It's a body of believers. Ooh, I like that. We should call it the gathering. The gath. I feel like other people have used that, but we can. We just gathering. It's new to me. Okay. The gathering. All right. I like the it. gathering of the saints. Gathering of the saints. The gathering of the saints in the clouds. That's good. Because that's where we went. Amen. It was really good. All right. So we'll see you tomorrow night for our more on the stars. Our interview with Bob Sisson really fun so we'll do that at 9 p.m eastern standard time i'm guessing friday or sunday is going to be christmas specials of some sort um because uh, we're right in that time of christmas so um look for those it's sunday for sure it'll be christmas eve we will be doing a sunday show on christmas eve some at some point we think you told me you wanted to oh, i don't know if our relatives are gonna try to pick that oh. okay i don't know if our relatives are gonna try Probably to pick that not. day we'll we see we need to get with them yeah stay <laughs> tuned we love you guys. God loves you. God bless. Remember, it's not just a conspiracy theory. If it's actually the truth, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. One and all. Merry Christmas. We'll see you tomorrow night. God bless us. Everyone. Bye, guys. So